Hello and welcome to the Pixel Pitch Podcast. I am your host, Al, and I am joined by my other hosts, Falana. Hello. And Kit. Hello. And we here at the Pixel Pitch Podcast will have the non-pro computer pick a video game from a random year, and each one of us will pick a game from that year to pitch to the group for the rest of us to play. Today we're going to be talking about, or I'm going to be pitching, one of my favorite games of all time, it was I made it on game trailers, uh, best game of all time. Uh, it's it's always on like all these lists about you know oh it's it's never been beaten. It's one of the greatest games. You, you've got to play it. But you know if, enough build up, enough hype. That's not going to lead to anything. Uh, <laughs> I'm of course talking about the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. That's right. It's Al's turn. Also released in 1998. <laughs> Yes, thank you. I'm so sorry. I didn't actually mention the year that we're taking from. (laughs) Because it happened so long ago. That was two episodes ago. That was forever. That was two years ago. What are you talking about? It was two years ago. Two whole And Al, if memory serves, this is one of your all-time favorite games. Regardless of critics' thoughts, you love this game to death, right? Oh, God. Yeah, it's... Oh, my... Yeah. Yeah, I love it to death. You've got those good, strong childhood nostalgia vibes coming up. Yeah, I'm just it's uh, it's it's a it's a game I I have a lot of memories with just sort of becoming like a boy to a man. And I know that sounds stupid, but like (laughs) Legend of Zelda was my coming of age story. It was the moment in my life I finally grew into being a teenager. Uh, I was like, no, dad, I could beat my own video games. Look, (laughs) I beat Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. (laughs) And your your beard, I imagine, just immediately grew in. <laughs> I'm imagining baby Al going from clean-shaven baby face to just beard. <laughs> <laughs> it's adult in this house. He beat Ocarina of Time. You beat the final boss and just, bam, just punched right through the, through the windows. Yep. Oh, my God. It's it's very weird to say, but like it was sort of that moment when I got a little older because so many video games were like a dad thing. My father, uh, which is how I got into video games, was a big video game fan. Um, that's why we had like so many Nintendo games and why we had like so many systems like an Atari and a ColecoVision and an Intellivision because my dad was fascinated with this stuff. And at the time we made enough money, he could invest in it. We have a stupid amount of Intellivision games. I I can't even tell you. Um, It was always sort of his thing until the N64 came about. And my mother always jokes about this. The reason dad stopped playing games was because, well, you know, you know, Al actually started to get good at them. So he didn't want to play anymore. Because the N64 was for my dad. It wasn't for me. I didn't get that. Um, the only console I ever had that was mine uh, was the Sega Genesis. Um, that I won it because, like, you know, Attitude, Sonic, and, like, oh, jeez, I want to, I love those, like, you know, really edgy duders. God, yeah, there was so much. Comparatively, Sega was, I think we even mentioned in the past, it, it was for a teen market. So in a way, kind of not quite the opposite, but kind of that halfway point between Nintendo and Sony. Yeah, like Sega really kind of hit like we touched on this a uh, very little, I think. But we did sort of mention the, the mascot craze and that meant something because the Genesis really hit um, that audience and the younger audience. It's like we're cool. Guys, we're cool. Nintendo didn't care if you thought they were cool. They just wanted you to buy their crap. Uh <laughs> 
Which um, worked great for them. They really cornered that like little kid market. Yep. Yeah. Just and, and the adults everybody too. Gets a Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. But but Sega, like I think that was why it attracted me so much. And when my dad just was like, "Whatever, I'll I, I'm fine with the Super Nintendo. I don't need to go beyond this." Little did I, I I didn't think of it before, but I guess my dad was a Nintendo loyalist. Like before, <laughs> like in the 16-bit wars, uh, he, like he would have stand Nintendo. I guess. <laughs> Listen, Sega does what Nintendo. <laughs> oh, I live by that still. <laughs> That's why I wanted one, man. I was I yeah. was hardcore. I wanted a Genesis so bad. Uh, but yeah, when we got the N sixty four, that wasn't mine. That was my dad's. And then I, I was the only. After a while, after Mario sixty four was over, and Dad was kind of done being fascinated by three D. I was the one that played the N64. I still have that N64. I'm looking at it right now. I can see it with a copy of Star Fox sticking out of it with the original controller and everything. I can that's that, that's our N64. Uh that's not even mine, but I own it. So it's but it's crazy. But like yeah, when we finally got the Zelda game and that was like an, another thing that was mainly for my dad. That wasn't for me. I didn't play Zelda games because dad knew how to do all those like cool puzzle solvy world exploration stuff i finally got around to playing it when my uncle showed up because dad kind of got frustrated again with the he for whatever reason he the 3d thing didn't quite work for him um my uncle came around and he showed me how to play it and got through a little bit of the dungeons and i was like wow this actually looks really fun you're not just stuck in the opening area talking to fairies for uh the entire game which is what i thought (laughs) you were doing um because i was a kid i didn't know any better and I just was like, oh, I'm hooked. I got to play this now. That Yeah, it was it was such a big moment for me. And it was such a big moment for my dad, I guess. But like to the point where like after beating it, he like got out a video camera and made me beat it again so he could videotape it. Aww. So there's just there is so much attached to this game for me um, that I haven't revisited in a while. Like college, I think, was the last time I played this game. Um, no, I'm lying. When it came out for the 3DS, that was the last time I played this game. But okay. I don't know. Out, how out. That. Yeah, here I have to. I have to call you out on this. So you recently revealed that Nonpro was considering doing a Let's Play channel before everything blew up, and Let's Play channels <laughs> were a big thing. Yeah, you had a Let's Play of Ocarina of Time back in the day as a child, and you were like, "Nah, Let's Plays are dumb. They're for babies." <laughs> Is that why you felt that way? Because you had already done it when you were a baby? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that was what it was. Maybe, like, in my mind's eye, Let's Plays were always just the family video thing that, like, nobody wanted to watch, so, like, why would you? <laughs> like, how That's many times? Oh, man. Like, people will watch the first time um, your child is on a bike or their child's first step. They're not going to watch. You want to see my son beat this video game? I taped <laughs> it. <laughs> beat this 20 hour video game. And I filmed the whole thing. No. Oh. <laughs> Those videos of people just like videotaping their CRT televisions, playing the video game, that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh my God. Like he had like a actual like camcorder and like, like he made me like go through the, the, the I, I should say, he didn't make me beat the whole game over again. He just made me beat the final dungeon over again. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Let me clarify that. Oh, <laughs> Still that, that to me, that in my head canon is that that was the subconscious thing that made you be like, nah, let's plays are for babies. Exactly. Baby Al's been there. Yeah. Because you were a baby. Yeah. 
Oh man, like it's it's just I still to this day sit back and think, man, I was stupid. We should have we should have gotten involved in that. We should have done Let's Plays. What was wrong with me? Oh, but I mean, you were doing it long before anyone else. Yeah. I feel bad. Matt, who one day may guest on this show, hopefully he does, um, was so vehement about it. And like, he, like you know, he uh, we played some games. He had some stuff. He did some great recordings for this stuff. And I fought him tooth and nail every step of the way. And I feel bad because he was right the whole time. But so I guess full disclosure, because I know, Al, this is one of your all-time favorite things. Uh, as, as I have disclosed, I was a Sega loyalist. And outside of that, Sony had me for the survival horror stuff. I just never really was a Nintendo person, so I have never, like, properly played. I mean, most big staple Nintendo games, but I've never played Ocarina of Time. And outside of a bit of Twilight Princess and a bit of Majora's Mask, I've never played a Zelda game. All of these Nintendo games, for me, are all just you know, half-remembered visiting random neighbor kids' houses they were playing it sort of thing. Because I, I never had access to it at the time. Yeah. So I do have very clear memories of, like, somebody on a GameCube. I don't even know who anymore. Uh, learning how to play, um, I think it was just one of the Ocarina songs. And it looked really hard, and I was super intimidated when I was, like, six. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I think one of the things that intimidated me once I got out of my, like, you know, Sega does what Nintendo don't phase was that it did seem like the, everybody always played up how difficult the dungeons were and how difficult the puzzles were. And so I was kind of like, eh, I don't really like RPGs. I don't really like, you know, I, I don't like dungeon puzzles. So why even bother playing them? And now that I'm older, I'm like, ugh, I think people just hyped up how crazy hard they were. <laughs> yeah, because they're not. They're genuinely not very hard. Like, they're push block puzzles. Like, these things are not difficult. Like, Resident Evil 2 has puzzles that are on par with uh, Legend of Zelda. Like, essentially, the, 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 the one puzzle where we pushed the freaking, so the statues faced each other, that's about as difficult as a, as a Zelda puzzle is going to get. Yeah, like, real puzzle games, like, portal or something like that was that's what real puzzling is this is like an action rpg with minus most of the rpg elements because you don't like level up any of your skills except for like uh, zelda 2 which is uh very like obscure and not like any other zelda game um you're the same guy you are from the beginning to the end you just have other equipment or more pieces to solve puzzles with and it's not exactly a rock paper scissors mechanic to most things but it is about finding the right tool for whatever job you're going through so and stick with me on this one kind of like a mega man you know you beat the beat the boss get their power you then have like an armor a weapon something yes to kind of help yes. out okay um it's yeah you're gonna find a weapon in whatever dungeon you go in and that weapon is gonna wind up being nine times out of ten uh the 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 uh, robot master power that you're gonna need to beat the dungeon with or beat the boss of that uh level with okay so, yeah so that's normally what winds up happening with a lot of these is just sort of like, oh, find this item within the dungeon. Now you can access more parts of the dungeon. And also this thing is what's going to be useful to kill the boss um, at the end of the level. Okay. And then is it is it another thing where you can like, you get this new power up or whatever, and you can go back to somewhere else and that opens up something else. And you're like, oh, hey, I got extra 
stuff to do. Yeah, like there's there's like backtracking like you would in uh, like a Symphony of the Night or a Metroid game where it's like, oh, now that I have this new power, um, I can go and access this thing that I didn't know about or uh, was just kind of curious about before. Uh, and now it's now it matters. And now I can go to this other place and find this other treasure or like, you know, find this heart container because that's going to be I think would be the only tedious thing. I haven't played this in a while, so I don't know how tedious it will be, but looking for heart containers um, to increase my health. I remember being a little bit of a pain in the butt. Um, so I don't know how newcomers to that are going to feel. Um, because I know the beginning of the game does a very good job of sort of like, you'll find these things just naturally going through uh, the mission as it's as it's put in front of you. Um, but once that stops, um, you have to just start like, you know, checking out the world in general and being like, all right, where can I find these things? Uh, let me go dig the, dig up this thing and see if that results in me finding anything. Um, or just any randomly obscure things, you know, like going out and planting beans um, in in soil to, to grow plants. Uh, it's like, man, it, I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, oh my God, there's just so much like optional stuff. Oh, it's crazy. Anyway. I guess we're going to find out how difficult or not difficult these puzzles are because i'm thinking about another nintendo game that i've played pokemon emerald which came out not too much longer after that and one of the yeah. puzzles in pokemon emerald was that the game expected you to no braille be able to read it visually yes. and then translate it i remember that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is it one of those things where they just expect you to this like 10 year old to know something very strange like that they expected you to know braille they expected yes. you to know braille read it and then follow the instructions to get legendary pokemon oh my god no yes. there's nothing like yes. that puzzles. that's about as hard as we can this was a pokemon uh, game it's that like, you would have you, expected push block puzzles, but it was not. You had to know wasn't. Braille or else. Yeah. Oh my god, no, nothing like that. The worst you can do is push it the wrong way, then leave the room and come back. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, good to know. See, if somebody described Legend of Zelda in the context of Mega Man and Resident Evil games, I'd have played this game way sooner. So, <laughs> that's all you had to say, Al. And it's like, I mean, obviously I have like a lot of, a lot of memories wrapped up in this. So I'm holding, hoping, hoping it still holds up. Um, Cause it has still been a while since I played it probably over 10 years, but I get the feeling when I, once I pick it up again, it's going to all like flood back pretty quickly. Um, I'm not looking forward to using the controller. Uh, <laughs> as the N64 <laughs> controller is not. It's, it's legendarily bad, and there's no real defense of it. I can't come up here and say, it, it, no, that was a poor design, Nintendo, but they stuck with it. Uh, I don't know. Full disclosure, I, I bought a Nintendo 64 controller uh, in preparation for playing this game. I kind of like it. I It's like a dual mode sort of thing. You can hold it on the two outer little grippy bar parts or hold the middle one. It's neat. It's, it's hard, though, because like everything's very weirdly situated and especially with the the z button being on the bottom of the controller so it's in order to that's one of the major mechanics of zelda was z targeting so i feel like that's such a mm. a, a really random like that's also really weird the first time i played this like i didn't 
know that was a thing that you could target on that you could lock on to enemies which is so vital when playing this so i was like running around trying to hit enemies just free form hoping for the hoping oh. god would let me do it <laughs> <laughs> you were playing this game on your own hard mode yeah i, I was i didn't even know it oh my god <laughs> That's one thing I have heard quite a bit of. You targeting is your best friend in Zelda games. Yeah. At least 3D Zelda games. Yeah, it definitely is. But yeah, I don't know. It's I think it's just weirdly situated. But like, I don't know, maybe once I pick it up again, um, it'll all flood back and I'll be like, oh, no, this is fine. Uh, nothing, nothing was ever wrong with this. Um, or maybe I'll just pick up a different port and, <laughs> and just play it that <laughs> way. <laughs> because I love myself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So then, do you know, uh, are there any major differences between the various ports of this game? Besides the 3DS one, no. The 3DS one is the only one with like a major facelift and some other minor changes uh, that I can't remember right now. Um, There's also the, this is a really weirdly notorious thing. Uh, about Legend of Zelda because Legend of Zelda came out in 1998 and there was a tragedy that happened in America uh, a couple years later and there was the fire temple had uh, an Islamic chant in it in the background of for, for the soundtrack and in subsequent uh, releases that was removed uh, hmm. because like it, like it was deemed problematic for the time okay that's interesting yeah so there are so that was that was something that was that was changed uh, from from memory as best as I can tell. But there's not a lot of other changes beyond that, as far as okay. like most things are either like just oh it running differently or like the 3ds port which had the, like again the major aesthetic changes. Um, there are also like the Master Quest versions, which are like these updated rearranging of things, or even just the mirror versions, where like hey we hey it's the same dungeon but everything's a different direction now. Go. It's like all right, that's weird okay but but why i just just to give you another excuse to play through the game again <laughs> <laughs> so replayability gotcha yep, yep. Okay. but so then the gamecube and the uh original n64 version there isn't too big a difference between them no, there's there's virtually no difference between the two versions. Um, it's okay. pretty much around the same, except except for a few things they had to edit out. Uh, I I know that I know there was actually some symbols they had to get rid of as well, and I don't remember what they were in reference to or what they were problematic about. But I know they also had to be edited out. Um, there yeah, they're just those minor changes because they're it's a fantasy game, and like they they draw you know inspiration from a lot of different real world places to sort of you know, make their iconography and it becomes problematic when you take some of that iconography and don't necessarily like know what it is or what it might mean or so. I'm definitely, I'm going to wait until uh, I, I beat the game, but that is going to be a rabbit hole. I know I'm going to go down. I love <laughs> that kind of stuff. Please do. I would love to, to hear about like, so this is what they had to change and why. Cause I, <laughs> I know a couple of reasons, like, this is all sort of, like, back in the day, like, 2000s-era legend and lore. Like, this is why this happened. And it's like, oh, because we didn't... Nintendo Power wasn't going to release something, a statement about this. And we were in the fledgling days of the internet, so we couldn't go look it up. That is really interesting, that they just decided to take things out and just not say anything about it. 
just like sneakily censor themselves. But I think in a way that does make sense with where the world was at the time. Yeah. Because again, they didn't have to worry about people going to Twitter and screaming about it and having to address it. They were able to just be like, yeah, you know what? We'll just remove this stuff and uh, hope nobody talks about it. You know, we we talk about how uh, tight-lipped companies are, but in comparison to how they used to be, like now that i'm thinking about it it's it's incredibly different like we absolutely nowadays everyone would be asking what happened and what was the reason and nintendo whether or not the statement would be true would still like release a press statement they would have like something say like this is why this is happening everybody and they would say something because like you can't yeah. just get away with saying nothing anymore and that wow that's crazy to me and it's, I, it's really incredible how much things have changed. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it in that way, but yeah, before the internet, like, you, you didn't really have... They couldn't hold them accountable, really. No. Unless you're, like, a journalist or something. It's just very, very interesting how different things are. And this is this is going tangentially off of, off of Legend of Zelda, but, like, it is... That was... It's a huge, like, you know five-star game it's one of their big hitters and for it to just suddenly and in the middle of the release this wasn't like later ports there were just later versions of the game for the n64 that just were changed with symbols and sounds taken out and it's like yeah just quietly and no one asked any questions nothing happened nintendo never said anything um i man I, yeah i actually do kind of want to look into this now this is this is fascinating to me but um but i'm a little sub episode yep uh-huh. <laughs> But yeah, guys, like, what, what are your experience? Like, you talk about your experiences with Legend of Zelda and where he's like, are you are you hyped for this? Are you actually interested in playing this game? Or are you like, because this, is, this isn't the Friday Night Rental. Um, and this is one of the reasons why maybe you guys didn't play this when you were younger was because it was old and also it wasn't something you could get through in a weekend or just in, like, the same time you get into in, in like, a very long movie. And I, I'm definitely intrigued. I'm excited to have this be my first, like, proper Zelda experience because you, you're you not the only friend of mine who hails this as, like, their favorite game, but nobody has ever wanted to pitch me t- uh, pitch it to me because... Most of what I do play outside of, you know, like the Yakuza games is something that you get through in a weekend, you know, or even an afternoon. Um, So I think a combination of people not thinking it would be my thing and me not thinking it would be my thing. I've never really had an interest. If you like Yakuza games, though, like, all right, this isn't true for Ocarina of Time as much, but definitely Majora's (laughs) Mask. There's a ton of like hanging around the city and talking to people about their problems and you needing to be like, I guess I got to solve it because I'm the protagonist. (laughs) Which is my favorite thing in like action RPGs that I'm coming to find. And there is some of that in here. There's not a lot of it, but there is definitely some of it. Okay. Meanwhile, this is totally something I'm into where it's like a long form game. You can just like be in the world, just do random stuff in it that sort of thing yeah i i am very excited although i full disclosure the only zelda game i've ever played and not all the way through was the game boy advance port of the original which i never got through very far because there's no save function oh yeah 
<laughs> so all of the things I know about Zelda are from the first few minutes of that game and whatever, you know, sort oh, of no. cultural osmosis. Wait, isn't there like a save? To, like, did, did the save just not work? Because like, isn't it just pausing it and that's how you save it? Um, so because I was playing it on a Game Boy Advance, like, if you want to stop playing the game, like, it doesn't have any sort of save state for you, like... If you turn off the Game Boy Advance, that's it. You have to start all over. That's so crazy. I wonder why that. Right? I wonder how that happened. I, I, another I, thing I really want to look into now. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, yeah. Maybe one day when we get around to 1987, we'll uh, we'll, we'll circle back around to the original. One day. Uh, but but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I, I'm actually immediately probably going to jump into trying to get through some of this because like I'm like I just I, it's it's one of my favorite games. I'm really hype about this. I want to know what your guys' opinions are. Uh, I want to see yeah, like how far we get along. Like can can we can you make it to the end? And if you do, like are you going to like sit there and be like, Al, why did you make us play this? Why this sucked away years out of my life? I will never get back, and I'm angry at you. <laughs> oh no. This sucked away years in just one weekend or yep. a couple of weekends yep. <laughs> where will it be like no al this was great you've turned me on to something that I'm, i i will never forget and was absolutely amazing 10 out of 10 thank you uh, we're, we'll come back to this again uh, i'm i'm hoping it's the i'm hoping it's the latter and not the former but i'm scared it's gonna be the former. <laughs> <laughs> why is it like grinding yeah. or, or what no there's no there's no grinding like there's no leveling up <laughs> It's just, I like, I just, I know it's a time sink and it's not only, it's also something you can easily sink your time into just by like, oh, geez, I really want to go over there and just see what's up about this thing. And you just can do it. And I know that's a lot of games nowadays because like Skyrim and, and Breath of the Wild even more so. Um, but I, I say that, but immediately I'm like, oh man, but yeah, but Skyrim, like it's not Skyrim. It's not like hunting for meat. And, like, I guess I could go on, like, a polar bear hunt for, like, two hours and, you know, that's still satisfying gameplay. It's not that. It's just, here's this area, go look around in it. But for some reason, because I'm still trapped in my kid mentality of this game, there's so much to explore, even though there's not really. (laughs) To bring back uh, the mention of Yakuza for me, my first time through Zero... I spent 90 hours just doing random shit around the town before being like, maybe I should just finish out the storyline and then go back to doing all this weird shit in the background. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very content with that. Yeah. I like, I, I have to imagine that's what it's going to come down to because it's like, it's just like, there's ways to get lost in the game. And also just the, you know, the only time I can say that you guys might ever have any trouble and that I'm worried about is when you hit the water temple. Because not that it's super hard, or as notoriously hard as people say it is, it's just not very intuitive. And don't feel bad about saying, Al, I have no idea what to do, like, like, or the guide isn't helping or anything like this. And just like needing some kind of help to get through the thing. Because it's just not, it's not that it's bad. It's just navigating it isn't intuitive. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. I've, I've heard tales of the water temple. Yeah, again, like, a lot of it's overhyped, where it's like, oh, this is so, you know, BS difficult. And it's not. It's just raising and lowering the water uh, levels is just tedious. And also, like, in order to check or explore at all, you have to continually do that, which means going through rooms and, like, changing it over and over again. It's like, oh, God, this is miserable. That was something else that changed. 
um, I think in one of the later ports was having to do with that. But uh, I plan on playing a version where I have to like manually change everything because I'm oh. a masochist like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the true experience. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. But that I definitely, I appreciate you sharing a bit of the things that you're concerned we won't like, because I do feel like that helps out as far as like my own expectations. Yeah. In that now I know, okay, so those are the things to be concerned about from the perspective of somebody that loves this game. Yeah. And there's, yeah, there's definitely a lot of things that are, that could wind up just being, uh, every boss, like I said, like every boss fight, sort of to more or less an extent, is a puzzle in itself. Like you have to learn how to use whatever treasures you wound up finding in the dungeon itself, um, realizing what tools that you have in your arsenal and what weapons you have you can use against it that make it work. Uh, like those are the things that I like. But there are definitely times where it's like, oh well, this is just tedious or boring, or like there's all those like weird things like searching for heart pieces always felt kind of weirdly tedious to me, even though I liked exploring to an extent, but there was always that thing of like, Oh, well I have to go and just start looking in nooks and crannies or bombing random rocks, investigating holes that might be in walls. And I mean, it's, it's helpful because like there's normally a guide will help you out with that and sort of cut through a lot of the BS, but it's for, you know, a chippy child at the time. it was, it was not that it was, you know, you know, meticulously picking up every rock and hoping there would be a treasure underneath. Yeah, then even on that front, I'm looking forward to seeing your reaction as an adult to those things. Yeah. And seeing how much of the, in this case, nostalgia glasses is uh, a negative for you. In that you're thinking of it as being so tedious and awful and like it's going to go on forever. But then you go back to it and you're like, oh no, this is fine. Yeah, baby Al, you just were bad at video games. Yeah, yeah, the opposite of nostalgia goggles. It's kind of it's like, oh, I thought this was so hard. Well, wait, I was a kid. Of course, I thought it was hard. (laughs) All right, guys, but uh, we're gonna break for now, and we'll all come back um, with our opinions and how we feel about Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. Um, Oof! All right, let's go to the video game cave. Away. And we're back! All of us have gone off to play Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, uh, and we've we've completely beaten it, guys. All of us totally beat through the entire game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Close enough. Totally yep. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that later. But, <laughs> yeah, so, like, this was the longest game we've attempted thus far. It was definitely a trek for a lot of us. Um, it, was, it was a very interesting playthrough for me personally. Uh, there's definitely something that I'm like, I'm chomping at the bit to say, but I do want to hear before we go into what my opinion of this game is after so many years without it. Like, how did you guys feel about it? I tell you what, it made me feel the full range of emotions. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I, I laughed, I cried, I almost threw my controller out the window. It was a lot. See, I think I... The biggest mistake I think I made with this entire trek was not playing the 3DS version. I Mm. think so much of my experience would have been uh, enhanced had I actually gone with the the remaster. 
And I'll get into that more as we go into other things. But yeah, it, it's definitely one of those things where because I did not play too many games of the early, like when companies were first getting into 3D games, I think the controls really impacted uh, what was otherwise, you know, really fun elements and really fun things that I wanted to enjoy, but I just, I couldn't get the controls. Like they just didn't work for me. I will say, I think I was greatly helped by a few months before this, when I just got a wild hair up my butt to play Mario 64 and going through that whole learning process again of like remembering how Mario 64 works probably greatly helped me in my return to this game. It wasn't this game uh, built initially off of like the same base engine as Mario 64. I, yeah, it was. Was it? Okay. I was gonna say, yeah. I don't know that, but like. No, apparently they um, made Mario 64 and then the PlayStation was coming out and they were like, oh, well, we're not going to be able to finish this, finish making this game by the time the PlayStation comes out. So they took some extra time developing this game after they had made Mario 64 and this is what came out. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And you could see a little bit of that, like, especially when you get to, like, the castle area, which is, like, really early on in the game. Uh, there's definitely something about that that's reminiscent of of walking around in the castle uh, in Mario 64. I'm going to take your word for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's helped because, like, there's, I don't know if you guys have noticed it, but there is a small Easter egg where if you look in one of the windows in the garden, there's actually some of, like, the the, the paintings from Mario 64. Uh off in one of the windows. That was that's that's a cool little nod that they did. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. 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 I uh I was very surprised when I started playing this how much of this I could just go autopilot for. I didn't need a walkthrough. I kind of just knew where everything was, and I was just like plowing through this thing like full speed. Like wow. Here I thought I was gonna need to like look something up, but like I, really there was only I think one time I needed to double check on something. And I, normally, that was pretty much it. I, I was able to get through the the dungeon, or not the, the dungeon, but like the entire game and all of the dungeons uh, without much help. And that was really interesting for me. But there's, like, did you guys find that you absolutely needed a walkthrough for this? Yes. 100%. So much. <laughs> there, yeah. there was so much of this where it was not intuitive to me at all. Like at Same. There, was, there were certain things, like, I feel in the overworld the running around hyrule a lot of that stuff was very intuitive i could kind of you know make sense of a good chunk of it yeah but especially when it got to the dungeons and not even getting into the water dungeon nothing there there was so much that the walkthrough was like oh yeah just do x y and z and i couldn't comprehend how you would have come to those conclusions same same like there's one part you have to feed a smaller fish to the big fish to get the big fish to wake up. And it had not occurred to me that you can catch a fish in one of the bottles to feed yeah. it to the bigger fish. And then in that same vein, in the ice temple, they once again said, oh, you know, oh, if, if only, you know, we could harness this blue flame. And I was like, oh, but how do I use the sticks? Because that would make sense in other places. You take flame from one place, put it somewhere else. But yeah. no, you have to bottle it. And you have to take it. And eventually, you know, I could have figured that out. 
but it's so counterintuitive to the way that I think we've adjusted to playing games that I would not, it, it would have taken me way longer than it probably would have if I did play this as a kid. And it's weird because so much of it is like handholdy, like Navi will be like, you can't go in this door with the bars on it. You can't go in this door with the big chain on it. You need a key for that. I'm like, okay, <laughs> great. Yeah, Thank you. That's helpful. <laughs> but how do I wake the fish? Help me, Navi. <laughs> there's I know there's this one. Yeah, there's this one really weird thing that happens where Navi is like Oh man, we need the third stone. We haven't talked to Soraya. Why don't you like call her up on the thing? And then Soraya's like, hey, Link, the Zoras have the tool. Like, hey, um, Navi, you could have just said this. There's no reason to go through this rigmarole of telling me Soraya might know something, playing her song to talk to her, then her telling me where the, the sapphire is. But I guess yeah. it also gets you used to calling Soraya for advice if you're stuck somewhere. Which I guess I, makes sense to an extent, but it's also like, man, that mechanic, once you have a guide, is just useless. Like, why I'm never calling Soraya again. <laughs> but even the thing is, like, with calling with calling her up, I did it like two or three times. And each time she was like, Oh, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't be hogging the phone line, Link. Like <laughs> I'm like, ah, ah, okay, now he's not helping me. You're not helping me. Fuck. <laughs> why didn't Zelda give me her number? Come on. <laughs> Someone help me out. Yo, I'm busy being a sage, Link. You know, yeah. not, not everything's about you right now. Like, <laughs> it's like, listen, I'm just trying. I'm, I'm a lost little like nine year old in the body of a sixteen year old. Like, I'm tired. I'm scared. I've okay. got hair in places I, I didn't know about before. <laughs> Everything's gone to hell. Yeah. There's zombies. There's not zombies really, everywhere. You know? I'm wearing tights for the first time in my life, and they're very uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, that's there's a lot about this game that's like, yeah, I can. It was definitely the first of its kind, for lack of a better term. It wasn't the first, you know, open world game or exploratory, but like it definitely has a lot of that early feel to it. And I don't know if we've. Because I didn't feel this way while I was playing it about growing it or anything. Again, it was very surreal playing through this because I just hit autopilot and went. And at no point was I trying to figure out anything or, you know, uh, like, oh, I got to remember how this puzzle works. So, like, it was just all very natural for a game I hadn't played in 10 or some odd years. And I was kind of like, huh, all right, yeah, this is all just coming very naturally to me. But I definitely was missing that aspect of whatever it was when I was young of trying to figure these things out for the first time. But hearing how you guys struggled, it definitely feels like, oh, I remember being a child and month, month on the water temple. It was with a guide. I was month on water temple. It was that, yeah. you know, obscure and hard to and hard to do and just being miserable. So and, and I think something something I was thinking about a lot the further into the game I got, because uh, I, I have a whole side tangent about my Zelda fr uh, friends coming in clutch. So. I know that we joked around uh, like, oh, are we going to do Sonic Adventure or Resident Evil 2? I would never have gone with Sonic Adventure for the same reasons that I think, at least I personally struggled with, you know, Ocarina of Time. And that's because while I love the story and the baseline and everything about Sonic Adventure and how that set up for Sonic Adventure 2, the 
the thing that I think holds Sonic Adventure back to this day is the controls. And they never really clean them up for any of the ports. And it just kind of exists as this thing where it was one of the first 3D attempts that like kind of was okay. But like you had to learn in that specific way that things went. And much like this game, it was when they were still, because it was, like Falana said, being created alongside Mario 64. So these those were two games where they were really just figuring out this 3D thing. And if you played both of them, you're fine. But if you came into it later when those things were kind of like fixed up upon, it to- makes a totally different experience. It's so particular to yes. like this game too. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've had any other game like play specifically in the way that this does. Yeah. Just the controls are so squirrely. Link will just yeet himself off of ledges at on at whims. I and I think one of the major negatives to me playing the GameCube port because I'm very used to playing with a GameCube controller. Like yeah. Dreamcast, GameCube are my top two controllers. And I think in this particular instance, if I had, even if I had like an N64 PC controller and could have used that instead, I think that could have even enhanced some of the gripes I had. One hundred ten percent. I can. I'm going to yeah. agree with you. Playing through the GameCube port as well, I felt like. Man, the controls just feel a little off from what yeah, I remember. They're loose. Yeah, they're very they're, loose. They're a little off, and I think that's the port, and that's yeah. kind of a bit of a shame. Like, I, again, the N64 controller is not the best, um, but I definitely it definitely felt a little more squirrely, and I wasn't sure if that's the game or if that's the port because it didn't feel none of it felt exactly right to me. As I was playing through it. And I'm, I am interesting that you had the same experience. You were like, yeah. man, this feels just a little squirrely. And I'm like, hmm, yeah. I wonder if that's the GameCube port and not the game itself. Yeah, I 100%. And I picked up on it early enough on that I did think to myself, maybe I should just buy the 3DS version or borrow it from a friend. And I was like, nah, I started it. I want to keep going and see maybe it is me. But the further into it, I got the more I felt it's got to be the port at least to a degree part of the problem is the port I think 100% that's what it is because there were definitely times where I just jumped off a ledge and I'm like that's weird that would have never happened before and I sort of tried to blame it on like oh I'm getting reused to the controls and it's weird and it's kind of this thing I'm like I didn't have that trouble with Mario when I played that on the N64 I did eventually get back get back to being used to it and playing through uh that those games and they felt tight and like you know how I remembered them eventually and that never happened while I was playing through this port and I and again guys we're very sorry we would all like to play the original games not all of us have that uh some of us yeah. have to play with what we have I me personally I didn't think there would be that much of a difference but there does come a, a sunk cost moment where you're like I'm this far in especially with a game like this where you have to just play through it or else you're starting from scratch on a different system. And that's just not fair for us to go through. Um, again, we're sorry that we're like, the machine does tell us to start play this game from this year. Maybe we'll fix that in the future. But like for right now, like we're, we're playing through this game and after our experience with Spyro, we sort of felt like, Oh, well, you know, they, they can only be cleaned up from here. And maybe the reality is that sometimes no. Yeah. Cause he, cause this my- is all interesting. Cause I actually bought uh, an N64 controller and I was playing the N64 version and I had the same troubles of just, you know, the controls not quite being what I thought they would. I did get used to it eventually, 
but I still had serious problems with, you know, not being able to walk Link in a straight line consistently and things like that. This is going to be an odd question, but you you played an emulated version of the N64 version, right? This is true, yes. Okay. Because there can sometimes be an effect on the input lag that can create these same kind of problems. Um, which again is why it's nice to hear from Al that him playing the GameCube port on his GameCube had the same experience that I had with the GameCube port on Dolphin. It's interesting to me because like like you said, Al, we play the Spyro remaster and I thought that Nintendo tends to put a lot of love and care into it and into their games, into their ports. And I do think that there's a chance that they really did just like take it, throw it on the GameCube and said, oh, it's fine. Did a, did a little like reverse engineer <laughs> magic and made a master quest and no fine tuning for the, for the new system. Yep. And that to me is really interesting to, to now know. It's, it is very interesting because it, it does make me want to try and go back on the N64 cartridge and see, hmm, like, is does it feel that much different? And I, and I probably should have actually, since I had a little bit of time after finishing the game to like try and play through a little bit of it again. Oh yeah, you blew us out of the water. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did actually like. How did I finish like a week before you guys? Is that how that went? A minimum of at least yeah. a week before the both of us. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really did blow through this. It was it was very again. I don't know again for a game I hadn't played in a very long time. I surprised myself with how much of this I just remembered. So it's weird having to be like, because I can't contribute. I'm I'm very sorry to this. You guys playing it for the first time and being like, I don't understand how this dungeon works. <laughs> and me sitting there, I don't know. I just went through it. I didn't even need a guide. I don't know. It's like second nature at this point. I don't know. Uh, Say, but, but you were able to, you are able to think back to your own experience when you first yep. played it for the first time. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, I can play. I can definitely think about it. Yeah, there were definitely times, and I'm trying. We'll go this a little bit by dungeon by dungeon if we want to later on. I'll try and give my experiences when I first played it and my experiences now about how I felt about it. And there's one declaration I want to make that I've been chomping at the bit for a week to to really scream at somebody about, um, and I'm gonna say it. And like I thought go. this was gonna be the hot take of <laughs> yeah, the game, but like no, you guys gave way hotter takes than I. Had. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to say is like money is useless. It's so useless. Oh my god! I was thinking that. I was so angry. That like, pissed it, me off so much. It means nothing. Like it's like <laughs> there's no point to it. Anything you need, you can find. There's, there's, there's. You just have so much of it. Like the only thing you can use money for is really like playing the the, the games to maybe gain a heart piece or something, and that's really about it. There's, yeah. there's no reason to have money. You never buy anything like from the stores. And it's just kind of this weird thing of like, wow, why do I have so much cash? And like, I, I get these bigger so and bigger wallets and it means nothing. <laughs> I spent so much time collecting these sculptulas and it for was nothing. for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was so meticulous. I wanted all of them. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we help out a family, but. Yeah, what did you get? Like, you don't get much. You get, like, the adult wallet, which, fine, you get two, you, the bigger wallet, that's nice. You get um, the Stone of Agony, which, like, all right, kind of fun, I guess. Like, oh, my, I'll vibrate whenever I'm near a, a missing hole or, or, like, a secret hole or something like that, which, how often does that happen? And then there's the Giant's Wallet, and they seem like these big things that you might need. Like, oh, I go from 200 to, to 500 rubies in my wallet. Like, this is all very useful in its own way. It's not. It means nothing. 
Like you, yeah, your amount of money is useless. Uh, it's so like, and I was just sitting there like, what, ha- what, did, what? Like, cause I always blame the future games for like, man, I don't like shopping at the stores and whatnot. Ow, why are you so upset about this? Finally collecting money actually means something. Why were <laughs> you so salty about this? I got to go buy bait. I can't just find it in the wild. Like, it's like, no money has a purpose. Al collecting rubies and all this stuff is good. I will say this about Majora's Mask. It immediately fixes this problem. Money is very important in that game to doing a lot of stuff. Good. (laughs) I'm just sitting here like, oh my God, how did I ever not notice this? I would get so sad, like collecting rupees and it's just, you see your wallet at full forever. Yeah. You would get these big giant, like hundred ruby things and collect them in these treasure things and be like, this... I'm already full. It means nothing. See, and I, when you're a kid and you're running around and you're trying to find the stones and you go to the, you know, you go to the shops and you see the adult tunics, I was like, oh, okay. So that's the point of the money cap. It's, yeah. it's, it's the way of helping you progress through the games because you can't buy them until, you know, you get the bigger wallet and you get the bigger wallet when you're older and you progress and yada, yada. No, they fucking give them to you for free. Yeah. You get them for free. Yes, you do. Uh, why? Why did they sell them then? I, what I was guess the point it's like a of beginner's that? trap. I don't know. Or if maybe, God forbid, a like like steals your tunic and yeah. you need it. It's mm. just in case the like like eats it and you don't get it back for some reason. That's it. That's the whole oh. point. That's the <laughs> because because for some reason Nintendo thought a rust monster in the game was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, to tangent a little bit off of you bringing up Majora's Mask. So uh, I did f- tell Falana a little bit about this as it was happening. And within, what was it? I guess by the time I got to the first time you go to the water temple, when you're going to save the princess, yeah. I was already like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm so done with this game. And not not Adult Link Water Temple, Kid Link Water Temple. Oh, I was, I was whale? Yeah, I was like, yeah, this is like, I love all of the elements of this, but I'm so frustrated with these controls. So I went to every single one of my Zelda fans, which is like 95% of my friends and was like, please tell me what you love about this game. I'm not being sarcastic or snippy. Like I want to know because I want to use that to propel myself forward. And my friends were like, oh, you know, maybe it's not as good as I remember. And I'm like, no, don't give me that. (laughs) Give me your good nostalgia. Let me feed off of it. Uh, and then it ended up being like a, a couple of my friends did go back and had the same experience as you, Al. They went, they played it on autopilot and they just loved it. They had a great time. Uh, like we're running laps around me doing my first playthrough. <laughs> <laughs> but then it, pretty much all of them came back to me with the same thing, which is if I hadn't played this as a kid, I probably wouldn't enjoy this as much. And then the secondary side of it was, Every problem that you have with this game, play Majora's Mask, you'll you'll have a better experience. I, I don't think they're wrong because yeah. there's a lot that does feel fixed in that second game. Uh, but it's it's missing a lot of stuff that I do like from the first one. And maybe if we ever talk about Majora's Mask one day in the far flung future, because it's not gonna be anytime soon, um, we <laughs> no. will have have that conversation games from this era don't have the same luxury as older games like from the nes and snes era where they refined what they were 
I think in a weird way, the N64 PlayStation era sort of suffers from a lot of the same problems that like an Atari game would, where we just hit the third dimension or like we just figured out what a pixel is. Look at what we can do. Um, And it's just like, we've just opened up a third dimension. Look what we can do. And they had to figure it out. That took time and it was a process. And, you know, this is the bedrock of which everything that gaming is was built from. And just in the same way that like the Atari stuff is like a bedrock of which so much is built from the generation after is so much more accessible because they at least refined it to a point um, that anyone could walk into it. And it's not necessarily true here. And I, I say this not because I experienced this while playing through it, because again, I, I so can't grasp, I can't like remove the game from my brain and then play it anew. And even if I played a game I never played before that was 3D, I still have the experience of when I was a child playing through these. So I can, I'm still okay with it. But like hearing this and knowing my own experiences, like when being young and going through it, it's, you're going to have those weird growing pains where you're not, not necessarily that doesn't hold up, but it's so much has changed, not necessarily improved, but is different or uh, advanced from where it was. You can really see the like 2D DNA in yep. this, yeah. especially in like some of the puzzles and things like that. I had a lot of trouble doing all of the block puzzles because of the like context sensitive controls. I would oh. be trying to hit the okay, let's grab the block and move it, and Link would just hop on right up there. Yep. That was actually that was one of the elements that I enjoyed the most because it felt the most stable. Like across really? the board, yeah, huh? I'm um, I'm with Kid on this one actually. I I don't know if I'm just used to it, but like the I'm gonna hop on this and like I was like I I kind of got used to that I guess from when I was younger. That's one of those things where it's like ah, this is just part of Zelda, and I'm just you you just learn to accept it I guess over time, which doesn't mean it's good. It just means you know Stockholm syndrome. Um, <laughs> and, but, and I will say you get that element a lot in Sonic games as well, like 3D Sonic games. There's yeah. a lot of like changing the camera angle, jumping up on a block, pushing a block kind of stuff. Yeah. And it, they are to an extent very RE, like we just came off of RE2, um, yeah. kind of styled uh, move the thing puzzle. So like it, it feels like if you have a knack for that going in, it can be a little bit more uh, acceptable. No, yeah, I panicked as soon as I saw like time limits on the block puzzles. Oh no! Yeah. I had I had such a hard time. Link kept on ch- jumping on the blocks when I wanted him to move the blocks. Oh my god! I was sad. Oh, the ice temple has that whole thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I oh. really I enjoyed the ice temple. Like honestly, the ice temple and Dodongo's dungeon. I don't remember cavern, cavern were probably yeah they were probably my two favorites uh something about them was it, it was like the right amount without it being too frustrating i didn't use a walkthrough for either of them other than the blue flame thing yeah. uh and yeah it I, I really enjoyed those two because they felt very and it probably is because they were two of the shorter ones they were very contained they were cozy you did you did a couple puzzles and then you moved on Let's actually talk a little bit about the dungeons in general while we're tu- while we're touching here because we talked a little about the game overall, but let's touch on some of the things here. Now, you said like they were like short and very contained. Like I think maybe one of the reasons why the ice cavern or the ice cave or uh, rather uh, is 
so well refined for a newcomers. I think that was one of the later ones they did, if memory serves, because there were originally going to be more dungeons in this game, and a lot of them had to be cut for time um, and release. And the Ice Cavern was going to be like its whole Ice Temple thing. And that was probably one of the ones they were much later along in production and they had to cut short. So that's why it wound up being what it was. Uh, but And I do actually appreciate and like that they hearken back to the Ice Cavern rather than the Water Temple. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you go to Ganon's Castle and have to go fight a mini dungeon of all the dungeons you've been through. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Actually, the Ice Cavern was the one that reminded me the most of like a spiral level where you just yeah. sort of, you go in, yeah. you get the guys going at you, you just get the guys, you hop around on the platforms and that's sort of it. See, and I, I love ice themed levels too. So I understand I'm very biased towards it. <laughs> and, and the sound effect, and the, rather the music in oh, the it music was very atmospheric. It, it worked very well to it. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I would say like, but how do we feel like, I'm going to ask uh, from the beginning, did it have a good enough opening, like good enough hook and a good enough like introduction to like get used to? Because it weirdly does get you used to buying things because you have to go get enough rubies to go buy a shield at the store, um, which you never have to do again. But it's it does sort of get you used to that. Does it do enough of a good opening tutorial in that section of getting the sword, getting the shield, going and talking to the the butthead at the uh, at the entrance? Um I, I kind of have to harken back to what you said before. I feel like it was Scott, Stockholm Syndrome. I think I was being <laughs> gaslit. I feel like this game taught me a lot of things and then immediately was like, don't you dare do that again. <laughs> yeah. Hop and Nintendo oh, I, was like, I'm going to teach you to do this so that you're going to think you need to do this and you're going to waste your time trying to do this, but you're never going to do it again. Yep. Oh Although I God. think it's kind of interesting how they do that though, because it yeah. sort of ties into the narrative of it. Where in the beginning part, you know, you're a sweet little kid. You're just hanging out. You're just going cute little adventures with your little sword. And then skip forward seven years. Oh, no. Everything yeah. is different. Everything yeah. is different. You are going to have a bad time. <laughs> now, it's but, like you, you start off playing Spyro and then you wake back up and it's Dark Souls 3. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> It's 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 interesting. Like I do like that twist, and I I want to yeah. harken back to it uh, in a in a hot minute because we're going to talk about tone later on. Uh, but do we feel like the first dungeon, like because you said the the second one was probably one of your favorites, Kit? Yeah, uh, Flano, I want to hear actually which ones your which one are your favorites as well. But like I I'm I'm curious if the first dungeon, that first section of the forest, works for what it is, and if it's like uh actually Al, that was kind of a weak sauce moment, and you know I didn't really like it. I, I struggled with figuring out, like, A, what to do, B, where to go. Like, it took me a long time to find, like, okay, here's the map, and here's the compass, and here's how both of those mechanics work for you. I took never me a long used time. either of those. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. Really? Uh, yeah, and I just, I ended up confusing myself more, so I went... Uh, and, and I am a Silent Hill player. I am yeah. full tilt. Like I check the map every five seconds. And in this case, I my Resident Evil took over, and I was like, "Fuck it, I don't need a map. I'll just remember where everything is." I could like I can use a map, but I don't need to. This and was so actually I, probably one of the first times playing through it I ever used either, because uh, I was so used to using a guide when I was younger. 
And then I, I don't remember if I kept using it when I played like the 3DS game or whatever, when that came out. But here in this playthrough, I remember being like very relieved and like, oh, I have a compass. Thank God. I'll know if there's a treasure chest in here and whether I need to do anything. Um, I was so relieved when I came across these things and it was like, <laughs> Here, like, no, this was useless. I was like, I mean, oh, yeah, I guess maybe it was. (laughs) The thing is, it would have been very useful, but I think my one of my biggest problems was with the pause menu and the inventory and how all of it was set up. Oh, one of those things where I feel like had I played the 3DS version, I would have used the compass, I would have used the map, but because of the UI, essentially. I I didn't want to pause the game for longer than I had to. I yeah. didn't want to have to go into that menu because it's a slog getting through it. It so is. For me, it, it, it is not intuitive. Yeah. Even I'll say that, like going back to it, it's like, this is miserable. Like it takes me, it doesn't take that long, but it feels like it's taking forever whenever I go into the menu and have to yeah. look around and like scroll from one thing to the other and be like, oh my God, I, I would rather just, I would rather just equip my weapon or like look up what this song is and like, oh Jesus, ugh. And it, that's it, the it, worst part about the water level though the water temple yes is you have to take off your shoes and then put the shoes back on oh i gotta take the shoes back off again yep oh my gosh the menu's forever and like this is one thing that so there is love and attention brought to the 3ds game and we talked about this a little bit in the beginning uh in our first recording is that the 3ds version did fix it a little bit like once you get to all three of the sections to change the water level you can do it at any point without revisiting those sections uh again so like that in of itself is like so very helpful uh in like streamlining going through that that dungeon uh and it's so if i want to experiment and be like okay let me see about going down and going going down to the bottom and going into a room and the water's at its highest let me see about it going at mid-level like it's it doesn't make it a slog to go back through a whole room in section and play the music again because that's what's really annoying about it as i was going through because if i f up something it's like, oh God, I got to reset this thing. And then if I if I have it at the highest level, I can't just bring it down to the mid tier. I have to go down, make it go to the lowest level, then go through the other room, make it go to the mid level. And if I'm wrong, I have to, and if I'm wrong and I need it at the lowest level, well, then I got to go bring it to the highest level and then go all the way down to the bottom and bring it to its lowest level. Like, oh, it's such a freaking slog for no reason. Oh gosh. And, and it's those kind of quality of life things that I think I was... I assumed the GameCube version would have had little fixes to make things like that a little better. Oh, they weren't know? there, I think, in in remake or porting philosophy yet. If, yeah. If memory serves. Yeah. Yeah, there were not quality of life improvements in ports yet. I think, what I think actually, one of the reasons why the controls feel so wonky is because I think it is just emulated. I don't, I don't yeah. know what the process is involved there because there were some aesthetic changes that were made um that were because the button layouts are colored to the gamecube controller not to the n64 controller and so clearly something was changed but i i am curious how much of a port this is if it's because sometimes ports are just emulations they're just like you know well we just brought it over this console you know, whatever condition it's in is what it's in and you, the player, have to get used to it. I know, guys, it may seem simple to just make something work on another console. How different could it be? And the answer is very. Sensitivity and the way controllers work are just ever so different because the system is different. And if you don't, like, spend enough time and love to actually make that port matter, then it's going to be crap. 
Like, yeah, it's yeah. It, like see Silent Hill two remake for the but PS3, I think <laughs> that that's all that is a whole can of worms. I will. I'm sure on the show I will get to get into that. Yeah, One day we'll talk like, about that. Like, that, because that, that's like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But baseline like, for that, that is a different thing in that. That was a rebuild essentially from the ground up using a beta code version of the game because Konami just did not have the OG files. Oh, so it's God. not even a port oh, wow. of the PS2 we, version. We will definitely so get into yeah. that <laughs> someday at some point about that. Yeah. So that, oof. I wish it was just drag and drop and bad, but yeah. no. Nah. But, but yeah, like let's, yeah. I think we can all agree Water Temple, probably the weakest part of the game, um, unless you guys have like a. Like, let's talk about what maybe our second weakest part was. Like, where, like, because we'll get to some of the good stuff, but like, we did start on kind of a downward spiral. We're we're gonna build, we're gonna break you down just to build you back back up, guys. We swear we're yeah. gonna get to good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we will, the, we will. Yeah, but we want to get all the bad stuff out of the way first. So, was there like a second weakest part we felt was in the game, or a second weakest dungeon that we felt like really didn't quite hit right? See, because I, I, I will be a hundred percent honest here. I. Even the things that I didn't like or the things that I'm not happy with more so, I don't hold them against the game because of the age, because of when it came out, because of the fact that it was such a pioneer for so much stuff. So I really genuinely enjoyed 80% of my experience with the unfortunate thing being that 20% did impact a lot of that 80% as well. So it seems like a lot. Yeah, yeah. because one of the 20% was the controls. Um, The controls uh, and in a way, some of the pacing, which comes with the way that the dungeons are set up, that again, kind of harkens back to the controls. Like, yeah. (laughs) Because like, because the plot is cheesy. The characters are cheesy. In order to make Link a self-insert, he has literally no character. <laughs> but no in lines. a way that kind no of dialogue. is fun. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't talk. <laughs> yep. There's so much robust world building in weird little ways that like depthen out so many aspects of this world, but then there's parts of it that feel completely bare and empty. Like it's it's got such a weird tone and weird feeling across the board, but it all kind of comes together. And just melds into this thing that, like, you can't forget. Yeah. And, like, even if you're frustrated, like, you're still like, I, I gotta finish it to some degree. This, like, opened me up to the world of Zelda, though. It's like, oh, I feel like I get all the references now. And I sort of, I fell in love with the world. Like, oh, the Gorons? Oh, I love them. Oh, I love them. Like, the the king of the Zoras? I love him. He's just a big guy. He's just a big and dude. Yeah, you just like dive into the world of it, and I'm going around collecting chickens. I'm having a wonderful time. Yeah, honestly, collecting those chickens easily like top top five moments in the game. It's fun. (laughs) It was just fun. And then when you fuck like I I remember like there were so many little things that I remembered friends telling me growing up about the game that were like obsessed with Zelda, obsessed with Earthbound, obsessed with Nintendo. And I was like the Sega kids. They would always like dangle little things. Uh, And one of the big ones was like the chickens. So I was like, oh, I don't, is this the game where like if you attack the chickens, like they, they murder you to death. I'm like, I didn't remember which Zelda game it started in. So naturally the first thing I did was attack the chickens. And 
immediately getting to run into into a house to try to stop the onslaught. Not sure if I went back out, they'd still be aggroed. Was fun. <laughs> like that. That is like so enjoyable to me. Yep. Oh man, you you haven't played Zelda till you died to to chickens. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh. Can we talk about the tonal dissonance of this game, though? Yeah, we'll come back you... to, to you know what we liked about uh, some of the the dungeon aspects later and other things like that. But let's talk about the tone here because there's a hard right um, in the middle of this game, yeah, and then a left, and then a right, and a right, and a left, and it's all over the place. It, yeah, because we because uh, it we get like a fun time adventure. And it's kind of fun. And like, you get to the Goron place, like, oh, these guys are great. And I love them. Um, There's still a lot of fun bits. And the Zora kingdom is where we first start to get like a little surreal and weird, just a little bit, just as a treat. Um, As like going inside the stomach is like still kind of kid adventure. Like, oh, we're going inside the whale, but it's also kind of gross. And yeah, there's like like horrifying parasites. Yeah. This is not a fun time you know, for everybody, this is weird and gross and kind of like, but it's still within that kitty adventure, Pinocchio, whatever. And then, you know, Rudo was like proposing marriage and it's like, all right, whatever, get out of this. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Run away. Even Um, that that feels like such a, that's such a Sundere like kid trope. Yep. Like I saw that happen and I was like, Asuka was not the first for Al. (laughs) (laughs) I I knew it. Oh no, absolutely. No, 100%. That's the that was actually like absolutely like very child like 12-year-old, 13-year-old owl was crushing on the fish princess <laughs> for being such a sooner. <laughs> I was like, "Zelda, Malin, like no, it's a fish chick. You know, Rudo's pretty hot. I'm into yeah. that." Yeah. Yeah. Cuz you meet her when she's an adult and you're like, "Oh, yeah, why can't we just go through the, with the marriage now?" Like, yeah, exactly. Like, wh- why are we like, oh, no, I'm a sage. And I can't like, oh, well, now I'm disappointed. But all right, yeah. whatever. She's a sage. She's got adult things to do. Yeah. I was like, um, I guess I'll go with that chic guy that's following me around and getting really <laughs> flirty every time he talks to me. <laughs> He's got that seductive flute playing in the background each time. Yep, yep. <laughs> guess I'll go with that. Like, but I it's, guess uh... I'll be gay. <laughs> or will I? But anyway. <laughs> it's exactly when, like, you go to the Temple of Time, which I also think is really a nice set piece, like going through there and like seeing this little temple off in the side of the of the market that you go and you hang out in. And it makes that very hard right of, yo fam, you thought this adventure was going to be one way? Nuh-uh. This is how the, this is where the adventure really begins. And you walk out of the temple and Zambi time. It's like the world's over. Everything sucks. Uh, that bright and colorful marketplace with all the citizens in it. Yeah, that's gone. It's replaced with like a hellscape. Um, everything is bad all the time forever. Until you go like one town over and then, you know, things are a little dark and the groundkeeper's dead, but you know, or the gravekeeper's dead, but it's, they're, they're okay otherwise. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, after that it gets to be a little yeah, better yeah, like yeah. you see that there are some things that are like the town is definitely not like uh kakariko village is still not great because yeah. it's, it's still in the shadow of death mountain that has like yeah. the big beaming sun um so everything's off colored and nobody feels really safe uh so it's it's not a safe haven for you as as 
much as you would think it is. It's just like, oh, well, we couldn't live there anymore. So we're all refugees over in this town. Um, yeah. Going back to the forest, like it's completely overrun yeah. with bad guys. It's it's a hostile environment, which once was your home. And it's now like, you know, it's things have changed. Like, obviously, it's not the hellscape of what Hyrule Kingdom is, the Hyrule Castle Town or whatever it is, where like, you know, zombies are running around and everything is bad all the time. And Ganon's castle is over a pit of lava floating in the air, um, which is horrible. And then right after that, <laughs> and then right <laughs> after that, you you get to replant the Deku tree and you get this adorable little Deku sprout. I know, just out of nowhere. Yeah. And then the Deku Sprout tells you how you're a war orphan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting, interesting choice. Adorable, it's... sweet rebirth. And then, by the way, <laughs> here is your tragic backstory <laughs> shown over a background of just flames. It's yep. just yeah. flames. Yep. Because it's, it's that weird thing of like, hey, you must have guessed by now that you're not like, you know, a cockery child. You're a, you're a Hylian because you grew up and, you know, our people don't. We live forever as children's. Here's who you are and where you're from. And Link's like, again, this is one of those rough things where like, by the A, the technology of the time and the philosophy of the time, you as the player are supposed to react to this. And Link himself as just an avatar uh, doesn't do anything. He's just kind of sitting there like, this is information I have. Cool. All right. Thanks. Um, very few times do we get like a Link reaction about anything. And I and that does change as the games go on. They give Link mm -hmm. like not dialogue, but at least a semblance of reaction and like, yeah. oh, I have feelings and emotions about things. Qua? Like, yeah, he gets I, he gets a wide array of grunts and wah. Yeah, he does. Is. Yeah, which he is fun. Have white I, eyes sometimes. Yeah, I think that yeah. works great in stuff like Wind Waker and Skyward Sword, um, and yeah. I think to an extent Breath of the Wild. Although that's a whole other kettle of fish. Um, but <laughs> here, uh, it is very much just kind of like blank slate. Whatever your reactions are, your reactions. So when you when he finds out your adopted son, and also you know your mom died bringing you here in the fires of war, um, it's this weird kind of nothing reveal because like. As weird as it sounds, it has nothing to do with anything. It's like, I mean, yeah, all right, that's interesting, and now we know how we got here. But like, I am not the son of someone who is important. I am a child of destiny, technically, um, but that's has nothing to do with where I come from or my backstory. Not that I necessarily think everything has to tie back into everything, but it is a a lot to lay on this character who has no reaction and then really doesn't have it. It doesn't go anywhere. Um, so yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's not that there aren't <laughs> plot lines in this game that don't go places because there are plenty that do. It's just that's just not one of them. Yeah, and... that's just not one of them. <laughs> Which is and it's, 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 it's dropped with a lot of pathos, though. Uh, yeah. To talk a lot about. Yep. See, like they, there's I feel like there's a lot of things like that that they kind of drop with this. Like there should be a lot of weight to it. But because the game tries to give us space as the character, like to put ourselves in Link's shoes and feel it, not having any reaction from that character in the universe, I think in a way kind of takes away from it because it's like, okay, I'm feeling things, but Link's just there like, okay, cool story, brah. Yeah, because when you come go. out of the Temple of Time in the future and everything looks like a bad time, no alcohol required... 
uh, Link doesn't have a reaction because you're playing the game at that point. You're moving around and like you have to keep moving. Like it doesn't really give you a cutscene unless you decide to go check out Ganon's castle. And then Link sees it and has like shock face and is like, yeah. oh my God, the horror. And it's like, yeah, but if you don't do that when you walk out and like, cause I going through this playthrough, I didn't go to Ganon's castle until the end of the game. I don't know if maybe some new players would because it's like, oh, this is an area I haven't seen before. I want to go check it out. Um, it is literally right there. Why not? But also I can see plenty of new players being like, F this, I want to get out of town. I don't want to be here. Um, I want to leave as quickly as possible. And that's valid, bro. Yeah. So you don't get that like second of Link being like shock face. Oh my God, what has happened? Um, so the players don't get that catharsis or that moment of shock uh, other than just the one you get yourself. And there's a lot of things that are also completely brushed over, though. Because in the bottom of the well, that's just a whole torture chamber. There's yeah. like, torture devices, and there's blood everywhere, and it's, bad. it's just not, not addressed no, at all. No, it's a bad time. Like, the well, the bottom of the well is the creepiest and most uncomfortable part of the game. Like, yeah. way more than the Shadow Temple ever. Like, as a child playing through that... It, and yeah. Because a, you're not adult Link. You have to be kid Link going yes. into yeah. it, and it has some of the like creepiest atmosphere, the most confusing level design. It's like because in the Shadow Temple, you just don't have. There are not parts where you just randomly fall through to the bottom of the of the dungeon and climb your way back out. And yeah. like it's mm -hmm. it's a very uninviting space. And even now I'm like play I tried to play through it a little bit more because I'm like usually as a as a kid I just went in, I got the lens of truth and I left because there was nothing else in there that was essential. I was like, was well, our heart piece here or something else? And I'm like, I'm going through like oh there's just gold sculptulas, nothing that I care about or is gonna really be useful. Hanging around in here is kind of useless. I'm just making myself uncomfortable to prove I can play through this. And it's like that's not useful. I don't want to do this and I want to leave and hats off to the game to an extent, because I think that all of that is intentional. I think that that's something that I, I like that they did, that they made you very uncomfortable. They made the environment feel like bloody and creeps and they made you go in as a child to experience that. So it was that much harder, but at the same time, like I didn't want to play it. <laughs> And even like then on top of that, like it, what was the end goal with it? Because it is so completely different than anything else. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's this great creepy moment, but it doesn't really, it, it's not like it was, I, it was just kind of meant to be this weird little dark sub pocket that then you just go back, you know, to the standard adventure. Yeah. Interesting. It actually thing. has my favorite creature in it though. I, oh, I love dead, dead hand. Dead yes, hand. They're, oh, they're so cool. Yeah. I got so freaked out by dead hand. He's just a lump of <laughs> like bruised and discolored flesh with little stabby arms. And Navi has to go out and tell you, watch out for its infinite hands. It has infinite hands. Yeah. That's a that's a very <laughs> Japanese thing of like multi-hand creatures. Yeah. And yeah. it's this is was my introduction to that kind of aesthetic, and it's just so creeps. I loved it though. And when it dies, it just lays there twitching for a while. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, oh no, thank you. <laughs> None of but, this. But again, it was so like pretty much everything else, even to a degree, the Redeads, like 
they still fit in as like a standard fantasy creature where it's like it's on the creepy end of things in this game, but something about them still feels like it fits. I think it's, it's the Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. The, scary skeletons. Yeah, the, yeah. the redeads with their face have a very like um have an aesthetic of something like a, of a Princess Mononoke character, for lack of a better term, like like an yeah. evil, uh, like an evil villain from a. Oh my god, I'm uh, I'm forgetting his name. Please help me. Uh, Miyazaki. Yes, uh, like a Miyazaki okay. villain, like yeah. or uh, or uh, evil creature. Like they have that kind mm-hmm. of an of an aesthetic to it, and so I think that's what makes them a bit more palatable to the grand adventure. While going down into the into the well. With the dead hands, they have a very different aesthetic to anything else you fight. They are genuinely very scary. Uh, the environment is just against you, like because yeah. you can fall through things. Nothing is really quite what it seems. If you're just going in there and you don't know what you're looking for, it's a miserable experience because there's like keys and doors. And finding the lens of truth is not necessarily all that hard if you know kind of what you're looking for. But if you don't, it's just kind of it's it's not that it's not fun. I think it is to an extent because it's I like being in a haunted house and I like being and it means so much more when you're in a inhospitable environment or an environment that clearly doesn't want you there. And that means something in a grand adventure because it it becomes part of that world. It becomes that much more scary because it's detached from it. Well, like something like Resident Evil, where we're constantly already in a place that doesn't want us. Uh, at no point uh, do do I feel like the the police station is happy that I'm there. Uh, <laughs> while it's in, so welcoming with that piano music. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like they're they're zombies. Okay, I know zombies. Yeah. Dead yeah. hand. I don't know dead hand. I don't know what a, I don't know what a dead hand is. I didn't expect is. a dead hand here. Yep. <laughs> Get out of here. So it's it's weird because it's both one of the weakest and one of the strongest parts of the game because I like it conceptually. I even like it in execution, but it's just, I don't want to be there. So it's very weird. I don't know quite how to feel about it because if it was anything else, if they, if they toned it down, it wouldn't be what it was. And I love it for what it is. But at the same time, it's like, I still don't want to play it. So man, I don't, I don't know. It's very weird. It's very interesting. And I like that about the game. There are a lot of like things that are flawed, but feel intentional along with the stuff that is flawed. That's unintentional. Mm-hmm. Those were actually my yeah. favorite parts of the game. Like the the bottom of the well and the shadow temple, yes. for some reason, having these two sort of out of the blue, like very outright spooky things in the middle of this like very cute game, yeah, I was just very into. And like my favorite boss was the phantom shadow beast Bongo Bongo, who is so cool. Oh my god, yes, I love Bongo Bongo. Bongo. Bongo yep. Bongo is my favorite, but I will say that uh, the the king uh, Dodongo, he's probably my second favorite. But Bongo Bongo is number one. Bongo Bongo is oh. great, like absolutely. I, I definitely can come in in agreement with that one as a as just a really good because I love that kind of like uh, I don't know. Giant hand bosses are kind of fun for me because like that's also yes. one of my favorite bosses from like Mario sixty four. Oddly enough, I I don't know. I think that they're they're that's a consistent motif in uh zelda's giant hand bosses i don't know it's just (laughs) fun just playing on a giant drum was also kind of interesting in its own way and it utilized so many aspects of like how to fight him like arrows and the sword and the lens of truth and like like ah all right i i i'm using these items to the to the best of my abilities and like figuring out like because the the bosses are almost puzzles in their own right to an extent so it felt really good 
Um, I will say, I think I said this earlier, and this still holds true now. One of my favorite temples with my favorite boss in it probably has got to be the Forest Temple. I I still love that thing to this day. I I don't know what it is, but just it feels like as cool as the Shadow Temple is, I think it has a very interesting aesthetic where not like the well, where it's just an absolute departure from uh, normality, uh, a very dark, different place. The Shadow Temple feels within the realm of the adventure, A, because you're an adult when you go through it, and B, it feels like this dark, it feels very much like a dark castle, dark temple kind of way. The aesthetics are all very, like, very gothic in a dungeon kind of way. It's, there's like giant Grim Reapers holding scythes. It's all very overt that we're supposed to be dark, as opposed to uh, the well, which is just dark by design and just kind of like filled with macabre and evil. Um, this one's just kind of, it's designed to look evil. So it feels a little safer because like when it's intentional, I don't know, that feels a little more safe because you're 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 dressing me with uh, giant Grim Reaper statues mm-hmm. and a boat that rides on mists and uh, there are giant skeleton warriors. Uh, it's yeah, it has much more of a fun adventure aesthetic like this is the dark part of the adventure as opposed to the genuine dark part of the adventure. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's but- that cozy expected darkness. Yes. That expected yeah. scary. Yep. But the Forest Temple feels so much like a haunted funhouse to me. And I really yes. like that. I agree. I enjoyed that part because uh, I do feel like it was a good way to showcase how dark everything is, but in a way that is very expected, yeah. you know, of the universe. Like that, when we went through that aspect of the forest temple, I was like, okay, this is as scary as this one gets. Cause I know a bit about Majora's mask and I know how kind of dark and twisted that is by comparison. Yeah. Um, and so I expected when, when I got to the forest temple, I'm like, okay, so this is the spooky part and then we're done. You know? Oh no. And I was, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. <laughs> there were a couple other more was, spooky yeah. parts oh, to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was really cute though. Like, the the four ghost mini bosses yeah I, yeah they were fun. their names and i'm like oh my gosh this one's named beth they're named after the characters in little women yeah of all really? things yeah, of all the things yes. yeah <laughs> they're the sisters so cool. little women and i'm like they're so cute i love them yeah they're great i was like they're and i like that they're sort of spiced throughout the entirety of the dungeon they're not like the one mini boss you fight in the middle of it Although that can be used to great effect. We'll get there. Um, This definitely felt very good. I I liked the Forest Temple. It's to me still my favorite dungeon. I still love to death. I love the soundtrack in that one. I think the music in there is great. It really sets the atmosphere of being haunting, but also kind of fun. Um, It it is very much, it is the Haunted Funhouse. And I like that the, and I really love the final boss. I think Phantom Ganon is just very cool aesthetically. And because I don't know. I like a Phantom Ganon, Ganon fight. I like that, like, oh, here's the preview of the bad guy, what he might be like. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, crud, here we go. Yeah. And I did. I, I really enjoyed, honestly, the aesthetic of that whole thing. Cause it also had me feeling very like Luigi's Mansion. Yep. Like that oh, kind yeah. of like cozy Nintendo scary. Yep. Uh, and the design, like you said, for Phantom Ganon is just so cool. Yep. Like cool, fun, fun little boss battle that harkens back to the mini boss battle. Uh, and it was one of those things where it kind of taught you how you're going to be handling it. And then yep. you don't do it again, but that's fine. <laughs> then nope. you don't do it again until the end of the game. Yeah. Yep. 
<laughs> you never have to do that mechanic again until the end, and you better remember how to do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you have to have done it without using the Z-targeting. Yep. Is yep. the thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Um, Jokes right, on them, because I couldn't get the Z-target to work on Phantom Ganon, so... Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it, it just it was not working for me, so I did learn how to do that fight without. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had to with that one. There's a, the other like thing I will say, like we do encounter one other thing that I feel like we never used really that much again is like the megaton hammer. That, yes. Like, in yeah. the, in the it was immediate. So much fun. Yeah, it was really fun. It was a great little thing to have. And we don't use it until like the end of the game, really, or to like destroy certain rocks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and that's such a shame because like, man, the megaton hammer is like is such a fun little mechanic and it works really well in the fire temple, which also I will say again, that was actually a fun temple. I thought that was pretty good. Um, I remember it yeah. being a little more frustrating when I was younger, but no, I think it worked pretty well. Uh, it was went by like that. It was a very quick in and out kind of experience for me. I don't know how you guys felt about it. I like how everything sort of brought itself back to earlier parts of the dungeon. I think that worked a lot better than how it worked in the forest temple, even though I like that one more and it sure yeah. as heck did it a lot better than the water temple did it. Yeah. I felt a lot more fulfilled with the fire temple. Honestly, out of the adult temples, I probably like full tilt temples. I feel like the fire temple was probably the most balanced for me. Yeah. Yeah. It made more like sort of sense in terms of layout. It was more intuitive. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I like would it, definitely say that's true. It, it, it definitely, in a way, I kind of wish it could have been the first one because I feel like it would have been a good setup for, okay, here's your easy one. You know, we're going to kind of, we're going to take you through one that's very intuitive and then maybe teach you a couple of things to look out for yeah. and then move on to the fire, uh, the forest temple that gets a little more obscure and then keep going from there. Yeah. yeah, I definitely agree with that one. It's, it's, it certainly is it. And all the keys are with the Gorons. So it's even more user friendly like that because you know where all the keys visually are. Yeah, because then then you could associate. Okay, so I'm gonna have to get keys to unlock stuff. Yep. Whereas that like fuck the first key, the one that's outside at the top of the tree thing in the forest temple, and there's the doggos, and ugh, it's frustrating. Yep, that's that's not an easy get to like unless you <laughs> no, get the map yeah. and then the compass yeah. and then like walk outside the temple and be like, oh, there's a treasure chest here. Where's it at? There's yep. so much of this game that. It looks like it's supposed to be optional at first, and then you get to the point where you actually need to go back and get that thing, and it it drove me yeah. bonkers. There's, there's a lot a of lot that in the dungeons. Not, yeah, there's a lot that's not optional, which is why the the, the well is so weird because most of that is optional. Yeah, um, yeah. But we've talked a, a little a lot at length about the water temple and how like that was kind <laughs> of a mis miserable experience. But let's. Um, oh wait, before we do that, hold on. Um, I want to also say that Volvagia is the only <laughs> boss... Yeah, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that name, when I saw that name pop up on screen in the bright red caps, I was like, Nintendo, really? <laughs> all right. It, it all sounds right. in Japanese, <laughs> I <Yeah>. guess. <laughs> yeah. must. I, yeah. I, but anyway, um, that little boss, naughty bit aside, boss. it's the only boss you fight without using the sword, right? Yeah. You can use your sword. Uh, you can theoretically, but you can just continue to use that. Like it's, yeah, it just weirdly, you can just keep using the hammer over and over again. Mm -hmm. I love and that. So, it was, it was whack-a-mole. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was you very just played dragon whack-a-mole. 
it, like it works as it works as a boss fight. It was oddly that was one of the only boss fights that I ever had any uh, like minor issues with. See, uh, like I, I struggled really hard until I figured out the pattern, and then I had yeah. a lot of fun with it. Yeah, like once you know, oh, this is how he works when he's doing the stone thing. This is how he works when he's doing the other thing. I'm not supposed to get this close or whatever. Like it works. It's a pretty decent uh, boss fight overall. But let's touch on the water temple a little bit because I do want to touch on Shadow Link for a hot minute because that's a a mini boss fight, not like any of the other ones, like with the pose or the fire dancers or like the mm-hmm. weird tendril stuff or the giant octoro in 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 jabu jabu like mm-hmm. shadow link's pretty interesting they don't really tell you who he is where he comes from and why he's here uh he just kind of shows up as like your dark shadow in this one section and it's very memorable because you open that door and like there's this whole white room with the with the tree that's uh, in the middle of the room and it sh- it sets up such a great atmosphere it's yeah. it's another one of those things that's just spooky out of nowhere. You just walk into this, you know, liminal space. There's no walls or anything inside of this room in a temple. Yep. And then no, no you just walls wander. That you can see. Yeah. Yep. And then all of a sudden, your shadow form appears, and you have to fight yourself. Not only that, but like you have to walk yeah. to the door, realize you can't go in, and then start walking back before he like all of a sudden like, all right, let's do this. It's yeah. a yeah, it's such a like, and he does mirror your your moves. He he does sort of like do your attacks as you're doing them, which it makes it very difficult to fight him in a Z targeted kind of combat. And see, and that's one of those things. Like that boss battle specifically was the one that had me go. You know what? I'm eventually going to at least borrow, if not purchase, a copy of the 3DS version so that I can get a better feel for this. Yeah. Because I love that concept. And it is something I wish that in the game there was some kind of like, give me give me a throwaway line, give me something to kind of depth in the reason that happened. Some, some sort some of acknowledgement. Some like something to acknowledge, yeah, <laughs> that this isn't normal. <laughs> but instead it's like it happens. It's this really cool moment. And then it's like, okay, back to the temple because immediately <laughs> it does do exactly that like yeah. the atmosphere disappears everything just sort of fades away and you realize you're just in this room in the water temple and it's like cool that was fun anyway back to the like wait hold on we got to talk about this for <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. let's let's hold on for like let's take a breath for five minutes okay <laughs> yeah. <White. laughs> yeah and that's also the other weird thing is like half the 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 bosses that you fight are like legendary creatures of like one kind or another. The dragon in the fire temple is like this old uh, thing of legend, the the creature within the well, you know, the shadow beasts from like, and then other times yeah. it's just like an amoeba. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Like, it's just an amoeba. Yeah. This is whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This is the bad guy. It's the thing that, that Ganondorf <laughs> did and the whatever. Like the phantom Ganon doesn't have a backstory, but he doesn't need one. He's just like, oh, it's a creature that Ganon created or whatever. It's fine. Um, the, the spider thing. Yeah. Huh? Even even with the Phantom Ganon, you can be like, okay, there's spooky ghosties and stuff around. Like it's something yep. supernatural in this area, leftover Ganon magic. Like you can you can kind of explain it. Yeah. But exactly. Shadow Link. <laughs> Shadow Link doesn't have. Where does that come from? I mean, like you could somehow make the argument like, hey, there's a Phantom Ganon. There could be a Phantom Link, but like that doesn't. How and for what reason and how does it happen? Um, the the giant spider, I think, is fine. Whatever. There's a giant spider, and Ganon created a weird virus thing. Giant spiders are fine. That they're a part of mythology. Yeah. They can just yeah. exist. The two weird ones have got to be the like 
giant jellyfish thing that's hanging out inside the the whale because like that doesn't make any sense cool whatever yeah and then the amoeba like both water bosses i guess technically are just really out of nowhere like i love the boss fight with with the giant (laughs) jellyfish thing i i think that's really cool or the giant organ or virus or whatever the hell it is because it's it's weird but then the amoeba has like no build-up in comparison to any of the other boss fights like even phantom ganon like gets his hot minute of oh my god ganon is here oh no wait not really um we talk about the dragon over and over again we talk about like oh the dodongos and like their leader or whatever like oh i've been attacked by this thing you must go kill it within me link help me um the witches the witches get so much build up and i love the witches i do too but then the water temple like it's just bt dubs it's an amoeba go fight it like <laughs> what is happening <laughs> Uh, the only line was just like it's not normal water okay what does that mean yeah (laughs) what does that mean navi it's just not normal water like cool all right you've been so helpful (laughs) see and again it's one of those things where it's like if navi just like gave a little bit of a throwaway make it sound something supernatural dark magic yada yada then okay then i can i can excuse like dark link and the amoeba thing cool i have a vague vague idea of where they come from but instead it's like nah that's it. That's and all I'm, you get. I'm so much more comfortable with the with the with the Shadow Link thing being like maybe it's a plot thread we can go to in another game, or maybe it's yeah. something because they do do that sometimes with the Legend of Zelda franchise, where like a minor thing will suddenly be expanded upon and explained as like actually, did you know this thing in this game was way bigger than than what we would have realized? Like, because um, they'll do that sometimes. Like they. Yeah. They definitely did do that in Majora's Mask, but they chose a very obscure path to go through. Like, hey, remember that kid that was randomly in the, in the Lost Woods? Yeah. He's the main yeah. villain now. Like, okay. Uh. And I will say there was there was a moment of real excitement for me with that. And I was like, hell yeah. yeah. I know this. <laughs> I yeah. know this thing. <laughs> but like, we've talked about the Shadow Temple and like, I do want to touch on a couple of things because we do, we like I because the spear temples is is almost like, hey, let's play this whole other game for a hot minute. Um, <laughs> let's get to, we'll get to that. But like, yeah, the witches are great. I love them so much. Character, so much about them is so fascinating. Like, oh, we raised Ganon as it from when he was a child, and we're like these big evil, like you know, powerful witches, and then we can merge together to become giant hot woman. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they just have all this like banter back and forth, like they bicker with each other. Yeah, oh. it's great. Oh my god, they're the they're some they're the best villains in the game by a country mile. They're not the best yeah. boss fight or like the best creatures in the game, but they're probably the best villains just by the nature of their personality being really good. But I do yeah. want to touch on the entirety of like the Giro, uh, uh storyline because as soon as you finish up, everything else is kind of like you know you do a little bit of prep and you go to the temple and you're done. You take a vacation from the game when you decide, because there's this whole section of the game that you never even touched as a child that you are suddenly like, hey, bro, go like over to where the, the thieves are and just check out this whole thing you never did before. And it's the last thing you do. Yeah, it's like venturing into the unknown at that very last second. Yeah. yeah. And then you go... You do some cool shit, and then they go, oh, 
you're rad. Here's a fucking piece of paper that says one of us on it. Go on, kid. Have fun. It becomes a stuff game. It was great because it was a whole other town that you got to go explore in after you were done fighting in it. That was such a great part of the game. Like it was yeah. Metal Gear Solid Link, and that was so fun. And I love the I love the music. I love the art design. Oh my I God. love yes. everything to do with the Grudos. The, music. the Gerudo yeah. Fortress music? Yeah. Oh, so, no, good. so good. Absolutely amazing. I love it 110%. It's really, really good. That, that we've talked a little bit about the music, but like there's a lot of great themes like the overworld and like even some like the lost woods and Soraya song are very catchy, but that Jirdo theme is just a banger. It's like, it really it's, is. Yeah. You really get like jazzed when you get there and it's like, Oh man, Oh, this is a whole, it's, it's one of the best songs in the game and it's in an area you've never been before. So it really jazzes you up for like the last section for like that last hurrah you're going and it works so well. And I'll just, uh, Nabooru, is that her name? Yeah, no yeah. She works really well as a main character that you meet very late into the game because everyone else who's a sage, you have some history with from when you're a child and yeah. uh, you continue to have at least a conversation or a pseudo relationship with as an adult. This is someone who you kind of sort of meet as a child through time travel shenanigans, but mainly you meet way past the point of like, you know, being into the game and she still works because it's very much this like oh all right i can i i kind of get who your character is and what you're about it's kind of a smart aleck i'm a, a huckster and a thief i'm not a villain ganon goes too hardcore for me uh which really works <laughs> i think she's i think she's a great character and she yeah. does so much with so little that you just absolutely 100 like nope she's fine she can absolutely be uh one of the main characters it's fine See, and I think that's one of the things that I find so interesting about so many of the, especially like side characters, you can interact with them for such a short period of time, but you know everything you need to know about them. Absolutely. They did such a great job with all of the individual characters where it's like you really, really can capture them and feel like you've known them the whole game. You've yeah. known them your whole life. Yeah, Malin and Talon are great. Like you don't spend that much, <laughs> if any time with them, but- that those little tidbits are like so full of character that you really get how everything's going. He's a single dad and he's, she's sort of stepping up a little bit to be more adult, but like, he's still kind of taking care of her. And you know, there's, there's a lot of fun aspects to it. And you kind of see where the villain in that, uh, in, in go is kind of coming from evil Luigi. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Even though he douches it up real hardcore later, uh, you kind of get where he's frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, even the horse gets a lot of like personality. Yeah, like you absolutely. you have to work so hard to to get the horse, and you yeah. just like all of that makes you immediately build a bond with it. It's amazing. Yeah. And I love her. She's a she's a great little character that, yeah. um, thankfully carries over into the sequel, and you get to spend even more time with. Uh, Yay! Good. Yeah. I love Aponia. Yeah, she's a great. Like again, the horse even has so much character, so it really works out. It's it's so there's so much here and like I, I want to say like I feel like Zelda almost doesn't have a character until we reach the end where yeah. it's revealed one of the characters we've been spending a lot of time with is Zelda and yeah. it's like oh 
oh, okay, you, you've been a character this whole time, which is not a spoiler anymore. She's a yeah. she's a gosh darn Smash character. Um, yeah. So her that, being chic is nothing is just a nothing <laughs> reveal at this point. Yeah, that 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 seemingly boy that's been flirting with you and causing all that bisexual panic and link actually <laughs> been Zelda this whole time. Yep, no homo, it's fine. <laughs> Was that a big surprise for you, Al, when you first played this? Because it wasn't to me. I just sort of knew through cultural osmosis. Yeah, and yeah. I think most people did know it through a cultural osmosis. In my when I went through it and was playing through it, I really, it didn't surprise me. I don't know. I wasn't genre savvy because I was like 12, but I definitely remember playing through it and kind of being nonplussed by the reveal. Uh, and I don't know why, because that, that entire scene is interesting because it's one of the most emotive Link is ever at all in the entirety of the game is when that whole conversation with Sheik, eventually Zelda and eventually Zelda's capture like it, it's very motivating. It's very like, oh dang, I gotta go save her. I gotta go save my boy. I, I mean, girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> it's it's it is one of those things where I understand it had to happen for the plot, but it made me a little disappointed that it's like this girl spent seven years learning how to defend herself, stay hidden, you know, yep, be completely self reliant. And first of all, we don't get to see her in action, really. But like, but that's okay, because then I can I can excuse that as you are the hero of time. You have to be the one to do all this. Yeah. But then she goes. She she takes the costume off. She wears the dress for the first time in seven years. Immediately captured. Yep. Like, yeah. Really, girl. And you she gets huh. she gets built up as like this ninja. She just pops in and out. You know, like she practically teleports. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's. It's interesting, but also like, man, I, I kind of like you, she gets some moments to shine at the very tail end of the game. Uh, but it's also like, eh, man, this isn't, this isn't playing well with me. Like, cause she has all those moments to shine and be actiony and kind of cool as chic and, like, so you can kind of carry them over. But, like, yeah, as soon as she puts on the dress, it's like, oh, and then we capture her. It's like, oh, this feel, this doesn't play right. As we would, I wish this played differently. Or, like, somehow this was, I, I get it, it's the end of the game. We got to get there. And, you know, capturing the princess, it's just old hat at this point. We got to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have to find some way to make it work. And I get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's it's excusable to an extent, but it's also just still disappointing. Yeah. And it's, it's very frustrating. Like, and I skipped over this. I want to touch on it for a hot second. Like, I also think, like, while I love the Forest Temple quite a bit, I think the Spirit Temple comes in as a close second for me as far as how temples go. I really enjoy getting to play through that as a kid and then getting to play through that as an adult. That was a very cool mechanic that they worked in there. And the Iron Knuckles are scary as hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. My favorite part of that Spirit Temple, though, is that you play it as both a kid and an adult. Yep. But, yeah. like, two different halves of it. Yep. And that is so fun. See, I think in, in general, and I, because I've done a bit of, you know, my YouTube watching uh, afterwards to kind of find out a bit more information. And something that's so fascinating to me is that the adult kid segments are one of the things that makes this game so powerful and so interesting and really kind of ties you into the world. And that was something added later on in development that they were thinking of just getting rid of because of how difficult it was to set up the action sequences. 
So because oh, they had to redo all the hit boxes and everything because of the size of child link versus adult link, yep. they almost didn't do the kid link stuff at all. I'm so and I couldn't imagine did. this game if they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine it either. There's it's so like I can see how they might have done it to an extent without doing the time travel and just kind of be like, and then this happens and the world goes up and it's your fault, Link. Whoopsies. And there's just no time scale. <laughs> it's just yeah. The world yeah. just kind of goes up in an instant and then uh, the you were napping for seven years, unfortunately, against your own will. Yeah. Thanks for going into a coma, hero of time. Which is so much more excusable <laughs> than if, like, yeah. he just showed up, things blew up, and immediately had to start saving it. Like, there's a lot of hero pathos, yeah. sure. It's excusable because he's literally, like, nine or ten. Uh, so him being, like, an action hero, like, it's excusable for him to be, like, make kid mistakes of, let me go open the door of time. And... And see what's inside and go, like, try to save the world because, gosh, golly gee, I've, I've been told I need to. And then immediately against his will be like, nah, fam, you ain't ready. Like, that's fine. Like, it was not his choice to abandon Hyrule. He was a literal child. He was single digits for all we know. I think kind of in that in that similar vein, I – one of the things that I really enjoyed about the beginning of the game, especially, like, once, once you go and you meet Zelda, like, you go – Crawling through the courtyard, you know, sneaking past the guards, going to hang out, have a play date because you're nine years old. Yep. Uh, and then you're talking with her and you're scheming with her. It feels like two young kids playing pretend. And even when you're going and doing the dungeons, there's still that kind of element of like, ha ha, let's not get caught by our parents. Which like, and, and knowing, me knowing how the rest of the game is going to go down, clearly it's like this big serious thing yeah. that actually is happening. But the way it felt playing it felt like playing pretend as a kid, if that makes sense. Because all of the adults are very much like, oh, you're just a child. Ha ha. You're on an adventure. Isn't that cute? Yeah, um, exactly. So you do feel a little like, you know, under, not necessarily underappreciated, but you do feel like this is a little bit of a, oh, I'm going to prove that I am an, a, a big man kind of kind of bits to it. And then you are. And it's like, no one's asking you to prove anything from that point forward. They're just like, oh, you just showed up. Now it's like the <laughs> the the weight of the world is on your shoulders. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. Now you just got to do it, yeah. um, <laughs> which is a whole different type of feeling to where we started, which was like, I'm going to adventure to like, oh, man, I really got to fix all this. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, no, we're not just playing anymore. <laughs> this is real. Nope. Yeah, this is all bad. <laughs> uh, like everything sucks. And one of the biggest uh, like subtle things that change from kid to adult is that room with all the pots in it? Yeah. Where, where you go. Oh, oh and, yeah. And it's very clear that the guard who used to be there is like now just completely different and just kind of like, oh, I sell ghosts now. It's a it's a living. What can I say? In this horrid <laughs> world that we live in, I had to make a living somehow. And well, you know, dealing with, with ghosts and evil things, eh, it's a living. <laughs> No, actually, in the past, Link, you could talk to him, and he's like, it's awful boring. I kind of yep. wish something bad would happen. Yep. Yeah. Ooh. And he, going he back to work. it? Ugh. So it's not necessarily canon. Like, it, you don't, like, there's no, like, definitive, oh, no, this happened. But you can draw those conclusions based on what you talk to him about and him being in the exact same place. And it's so surreal and cool. Oh, yeah, it's so spooky. Yeah. It's, and it's little things like that. I love the world that's set in this. Yep. Because there's so many of those little thoughts where it's like, well, what are we going to do with this character when everything goes bad? 
How are you going to tie like, this You get to trace their lives. Like, you go find this lady's dog when you're a kid, and you go back and she has the dog in a different town. Yeah. And there's even those things where you can change things in the past that will pay off in the future. We talked a little bit about the well, but that's one of the things, is, uh, like, you learning this song in the future and then going back to the past to create this loop of that's why the well is drained because of something you did in the past. Or like, I don't know if any, you guys did any of these things, but you can go buy magic beans and like plant them as a child. And when you go back to the future, they've, uh, they've sprouted and you can use them, uh, transport yourself to like, um, a number of different locations. Yeah. That's one of those things I looked up after the fact. Yeah. That was the one part I actually used rupees for. Was just yeah. buying all of the beans. Yep. The only thing you use rubies for is for the, the darn beans, because they're really cheap <laughs> to begin with. But as like as you're buying them, he's catching on. And he's like, oh, they're getting so much more popular. You know, it's like, all right, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's also, there's this one um, big thing where, uh, I don't think you guys did this, but if you go to the Happy Mask Salesman and you go through that entire plot line, of like selling the masks to to characters and uh that's another kind of sort of use for money th theoretically but you get so much of it at the end of it that it's like uh what was the point um but it will actually change the end credits because there's the oh. runner or the marathon runner at the end credits where he's just sort of running towards the camera but if you go through that quest and you sell him the bunny hood at one point he's wearing it in the uh in the end credits and instead of running towards the camera he's sprinting back and forth just like really hyperactive and it's like it's <laughs> like it's a cool little change it's like ah i did something oh my gosh i had no Is idea i went through that whole rigmarole and did not notice him in the credits yep oh no <laughs> <laughs> it's a very fun bit uh it yeah, it's so funny because, like, again, if you go through that plot line, you can go and, like, get masks. And this is, like, hearkening back to what they would eventually do in Majora's Mask. You can go and, like, get masks, like a Goron mask or a Zora mask. And it's hysterical because you can go to the Goron place with the Goron mask on. They'll just pretend, they just absolutely 100% buy it. Like, oh, he's a Goron. Oh, hey, what's going on? You want some wrong <laughs> like, Meanwhile, you show up at Zora's domain with a mask on. They're like, this is offensive. What are you doing? <laughs> You're wearing my face. Stop it. That's like, that's that's like showing up with like blackface on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my like, God. hey, this is like, don't do this. Mm, this is really, like, this is not like, funny, kid. Go home. <laughs> Our princess was engaged to that? Ugh. <laughs> uh, oh, that's just, that's just inappropriate. Uh, oh, man. But like, there's lot, lots of fun bits in this that are like unrelated completely from the main plot line. Uh, I love a lot of the, uh, even the, the minor stuff, like, the one, the few things you do use money for, like the games, like the bomb chew bowling is fun. Uh, the shooting gallery isn't as tight as I remember it. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about before with the controls and everything just being a little off. Um, yeah. The chest, the secret chest game is fun, but you can cheat that so easily once you get the lens of truth. So it doesn't even become <laughs> a game anymore. Uh, <laughs> so like, that it's, it's, it's you need to walk through for. They just yep. like told you enough hints. Yeah. Oh man, it's it's fun. There's so much that's like a little bits of it that are just so unrelated. The whole mask thing is great. Um, there's so much more of that in Majora's Mask, like a ton more now that I think about it, because there's like little bits and pieces of it, like uh, the chicken lady with her stuff, uh, the games with Talon, 
um, all of like the little bits that you have to go through, like even the side story with the carpenters, like just it, that are still involved in the main story, but that's cool because of these, these, these lazy little, ch- you know, chuckle fucks that just kind of like, <laughs> Oh, we're running around, not doing work. Ha ha. Oh, we'll go join the thieves guild because that doesn't like require work. Like no fam. Why did you think you would just show up on this Island of women and it'd be fine? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, oh playing this game has made me really want to play Majora's Mask. Same. I, I yeah, went ahead I and downloaded trying, it. Like, and I think it also is true. Like, go and try, like, the 3DS, uh, 3DS remake and see how you feel about it. Because it'll do some of those quality of life updates uh, to make it a little bit more tolerable. And you probably won't have as many control issues with it as there yeah. as there were here. Um, I definitely feel felt like playing it as soon as I was finished. I was like, oh, man, I kind of want to play Majora's Mask. And I'm like, no, but we're probably <laughs> going to want to play something else. And- <laughs> I've got other things I gotta do. But, uh, but, but man, but at least we know that when we're ready to play Majora's Mask, I, I think we're all on board for it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And we all know which one we're gonna be playing when we get to it. But here's the yeah. thing that's, that's gonna be a little controversial, I guess, at this point is like we we all said like, oh, we finished the game because like I do, but like I want to talk about the ending. But I think you guys got to fess up about, about the ending. <laughs> I do. I have been aware of the ending since I was in high school. Uh, I did have friends that spoiled it for me, essentially. Um, yeah. I, I knew the entirety of the game, bare bones. Yeah. Um, but I just, I couldn't. I, I spent so much time just sitting with Dolphin Emulator open, just like trying to will myself to finish. Yeah. And I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So I watched uh, some streams that Gerard the Completionist did because I'm just, I, I knew I wasn't going to get myself to finish it before we needed to record. No, that's absolutely so. fair. Where did you, where was your, your cutoff point? Like, where was the point where it's like, I got to put the controller down? Uh, I was getting like halfway through the spirit temple and I just, I couldn't will myself to pick it back up. I couldn't even tell you exactly where I just, I got to a point where I just kept kind of running around in circles and it wasn't that I didn't want to do it. I think I was just so burnt out on the controls that I was like, I need to watch somebody that loves this game having fun (laughs) for this last bit bit of it. I I think that's fair because that is, uh, I, I, again, I, I do really enjoy that, that one. But it's also a long, it's a slog. That's a long one because you do that as a young kid and as the adult, it's it's a lot to go through. It's it's yeah. two dungeons in one almost. And see, and I think if I had more time to just put it down, forget about it for like a week or two yep. and then pick it back up, I think I would have been totally fine. Which was one of the advantages we all had or I had as a child being 12. I could do that. I I, like I said before, I've said this, I've said it a million times, I'll say it again. A month alone on the water temple, it meant that I could walk away for a very long time or take my time to do it uh, for my first outing. And I, I feel like it's a little unfortunate, and this we'll probably run into this a few times when we're doing this series, is um, by the sheer nature of us having to record something, we will have to barrel through or or push through, and that will affect our enjoyment of something. But I think it's also fair to say because, like, a lot of games, even if they're long, will help you or be able to get you through that. You won't want to put them down a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and I think it means something when we get to that point of like, I did want to put this down. I did want to walk away. Yeah. I will probably come back to it or we'll play through it later. But the game did not make me want to stick it out 
through the long haul or it didn't make me want to binge it for lack of a better term. Yeah. Cause, yeah, cause I think cause the water temple, I think was the thing that like broke me. And yeah. so I was like, how kind of like when you're sprinting and you're sprinting to see how far you can go. Yep. I hit my max and was like, I can go a little bit further. And even though I was enjoying the spirit temple, I was like, it's just, it, it wasn't, I just didn't have it in me. Yeah. I, and I think that that's like two days. I think that's absolutely fair because when you sit there and you go through that one part that's just not fun and it's not like mm-hmm. even if I have some affection for some of the aesthetics of the water temple, it's not fun and it's smack dab right in the middle of the game. And you were even saying like when you got to even as kid length, you were like, I don't know if this is for me. I think I might have made like to push through that far. Like, I think that speaks of the quality of the game, but also you as a player and someone with any sense of dedication to be like, no, no, I'm going to do this. Like there's nothing wrong with saying like realizing something isn't going to gel with you and still push as far as you did. Like that's not everyone would do that. Yeah. See, and I think this is like you were saying, one of those growing pains with figuring out this podcast. That's why I'm glad we did this so early on so that in the future, like, we'll we'll have the reference point of, let's say we're playing Deadly Premonition and you and Falana start playing it on the PC and Al partway through, you're like, I can't fucking do this. I need to switch to a different port. <laughs> then we'll know, like, no, Al, switch to a different port. We'll take as long as we need to even it out. Yeah, yep. yeah. I think we would have all appreciated a far more, as interesting as this is, I think it is, I do really like this idea of getting tired with it, of realizing where the controls are not working. I almost feel like we cheated with Spyro to an extent, um, (laughs) where we came in with a tighter, brighter game, and we didn't get to see it with warts and all uh, when it was young, and maybe possibly not as as, uh, cleaned up. And who knows what our opinions of it would have been. And I feel like there's something to this like rough and tumble kind of uh, playthrough of it. And, but it doesn't mean, but if we don't want to do that, then we have the option to say no. We have the option to basically be like, let's play a better version of it. And we'll talk about how rough and tumble it was to start. But uh, Falana, like you also- (laughs) Meanwhile. What's that? Meanwhile, I I cheated. Yeah. I'll tell you what. You also didn't quite make it past the finish line. Yeah, I, I hit that point we were talking yeah, about. Yeah. Your game, your game quitting, did get to the to the fun, finish line, but <laughs> I had I brought over my partner to help me finish and beat the final boss. Uh, they they I, have bad Dark Souls skills. Oof! I I got frustrated trying to do the volley back and forth with Ganondorf. I was like, yep. "This is too much. I'm I'm gonna rage quit." I I just had them do it. <laughs> And I 100% believe a lot of that probably does have to do with emulation because it's it ha- it has to be so precise. And if there's any lag in that control, it's yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, and it, you can get through most of the game without necessarily noticing that. And even I'm playing through it on the GameCube. I was like, this feels a little off because I I played through that final boss fight like a hundred d- different times probably as a kid because uh, I just wanted to beat the game over and over and over again. So. And even I was like, this feels a little off. Something's just a little different. And even that little change is enough to kind of upset the balance a little bit. And not being able to target is like, a it's taking away a huge mechanic of the game in the last couple minutes of it. Um, and if you're not used to having on Z targeted fights, like I kind of was at that point, 
uh, full confession, when I was a kid, I never used the Z targeting until <laughs> literally the Forest Temple. Um, or like, no, until the uh, the Jabu Jabu Temple, because you need to use Z targeting to fight half of those things in that goddamn thing. Um, yeah. But I had played a pretty decent amount of fights and stuff not be using the Z targeting. I could still go through a decent amount of other fights without doing it. Um, so it was it was quite achievable um, for me playing through that even as a kid. I got so mad, though. Like, the whole game, like, okay, you can use the Z-targeting. Navi's gonna help you. The final boss, nope, sorry, bye. Not even the final boss, though. The second to final boss, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's Uh, it's two stages of the same guy. Yep. But I want to say, I love Ganon's Castle. I love the whole going through little bits and pieces of the temples, even though they're not all really reminiscent of the temples that they're from most of them are but there's like little like the forest temple room was all about the wind things in the shadow Mm -hmm. temple but like it still kind of worked um and the shadow temple was like another whole weird thing about big giant chasms uh across a big giant room fire temple worked out fine the light room was interesting i thought that was fun it was the only room with keys in it um oh yeah so it was, was fun going back and like using all of the tools that you gathered. Yep. So there was, was a that lot neat that... little bundle. Yep. There was a lot that was really cool about that. I really liked that bit uh, of just reliving your highlights as it were. And it's, it's aesthetically wonderful. And I've used that word a couple of times, but it really is. Ganon's castle just is imposing. And like, once you go through all the mini rooms and you go up the, those stairs to go fight, like uh, the, the, the pairs of bad guys, like the, uh, the dinosaur guys, the skeletons, and then the two iron knuckles. It's just, oof. And then there's just the opening of the of the boss chamber, and you think, this is it, and it's not. There's just a bunch of pots on the ground, and then yep. there's that long red carpet to the top uh, where, you, where the organ's been playing this whole time. And there he is, just kind of like hanging out, playing on his piano, his, or- his giant organ, and it's just kind of like, ah, oh, hello, welcome. You're finally here. It's like, buddy, like, don't don't downplay what I did. Here. <laughs> yeah, you climbed all those fucking steps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> buddy, this was a trek. Don't don't sit here yeah. like, haha, I expected you to like, no, uh-uh, none of that. Not in this house. Uh <laughs> but man, uh, it was a like, and he gives a very, like, great villain dot monologue, which sadly isn't acted, but, like, it's just all, like, written dialogue, but it's really good. Because he talks a lot about, like, it's like, oh, something belongs to me, and so and so forth, as he, like, you know, the, the Triforce pieces show up on your hands, and, like, it's this big, giant, imposing moment, and it's, again, one of the few moments where Link has any reaction to anything, and, oh, my God, I don't know, I loved it. For those of you that, like, I mean, technically... Uh, Falana, you did play through that for a hot minute, uh, but you know Kit, you watched it happen. Like, what do you guys feel yeah. about like that moment? Like, oh Jesus, the bad guy—he's finally here. It, see, it's one of those things where I, and again, I, I feel like even with as far into it as I got, there is kind of that moment where, like, when you don't really see the bad guy until that last second, yeah, like you you see him a little bit here and there, bits and pieces. In this particular case, there was something very awesome about that. And I mean that in like the true sense of the world where like you were filled with awe that like, oh man, this is it. 
this is the yeah. moment. Finally, you know, we're, we're going to see. Now we get to wipe the floor did, with yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to see if he can, you know, kick the butt of a nine-year-old in a 16-year-old's <laughs> body or not. <laughs> Square up, Grandpa. <laughs> Square up, Grandpa. <laughs> Ugh. And just the little changes from we from what we first saw him, like just growing the hair out, the addition of the cape, like he's just a he's just a little different, and he's different enough that he's like, ah, oh, okay, you have aged as well, sir. You are more powerful than when we met. Immediately intimidating, not having Navi to do anything, and I I don't know, I I remember this so fondly, and the and the jump to go and get to there, and like the fear of falling down to the bottom of the thing and having to climb your way all the way back up. Like, oh Jesus, Ugh. So much in this oh, fight. I had to do that so many times. You don't uh, you don't even know. You don't even know how many times I fell down that chasm. Yep. Before I had to pass the controller off. Oh no. Which again Ugh. is why I'm like seeing that battle and seeing because I, I uh Al, I know you're familiar with Gerard. Seeing yeah, yeah. even him struggling with it, like there was something so fun about that. That I am like I, I did buy. I just as we're doing this podcast, I said fuck it, and I went and I bought a copy of Majora's Mask and uh, um, Ocarina of Time for my 3DS because I do want to play it and I yeah. do want to finish it out myself. But again, but I even like as I was watching him and as we're talking about it, as much fun as it could be. I know I would have just been frustrated and annoyed and I yeah. wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. Would have, would have thrown the thing across the room and been it. done yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah. I would have deleted, deleted the files. I would have <laughs> sold the game, like sold your 3DS. Sold my emulation. <laughs> yep. There you go. Exactly. Um, but I exactly sold the emulation just to spite it. Uh, <laughs> sell my brand new, like all the pieces I just bought for my PC, just fuck it, sell it all. Yep. Get rid of it. Yep. <laughs> Never look at a computer again. Uh, but I'm curious, Falana, once um, Ganondorf was defeated, did you begin playing through the rest of the game at that point? Or was it just him? I, I just I just let them do it. Got it. <laughs> for for most of it, yeah. Yeah. Because after that we have the escape, which is the Zelda sort of guiding you through like as the castle's falling apart and you're like, oh wait, I got we gotta get out of here. And again, I, I it looks very cool. Like and it's uh but yeah. also at the end of the escape from the castle and Zelda's doing all the open the doors thing, uh, we find out Ganondorf is still alive and he mm-hmm. comes out, he does the like breathing heavy thing, which is so cool. Um yeah. and then just the the fist as the symbol grows on and he turns into the giant evil monster thing. Yeah. And like, oh, that was so cool. Design. Yeah. Time to square up again, Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't learn this lesson the first time, old man. Yeah. Yep. And then immediately the sword's gone and you're like, well. <laughs> I, I had already gotten the, the bigger sword, though. So we just used oh. the bigger sword. Oh. <laughs> Oh, you went and got the big Goron sword. Yeah. Oh man, I never got that as a kid. Really? Yeah. It's no. so much better. I know. Like, I've, it makes I've the heard. It's so much easier. Yep. Yeah, because you can immediately just be like, you know, you don't need to use the Megaton hammer. You can just, you know, use the big. Yeah. Sword. Makes all the battles that much easier though, because it's like does so much damage. No, yeah, and you get to meet the like giant Goron, and he becomes your friend. Yeah. What's not to like? Freaking yeah, not, not, there's not much to not like about that. And he shows up at the end, and he's doing the dance with you. He's like, oh, yeah. Hey. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I got, I, I could never make those timed runs. Is the problem? Like I, I got as far as the prescription, and then I couldn't make it past that as a kid. Oh, I actually managed to do both of them, like on the first try, which is amazing. I, I never did, I'm not actually. usually good at that. Yeah, I, I, I just couldn't make it for whatever reason. I just, uh, maybe I should try it as an adult because uh, maybe kid yeah. me just didn't know what to do. Um, or I should well, watch someone else play through it and see how they do it and see if it's <laughs> any different. But uh, it was anyway, uh, you finally get to see big scary ganon yeah you get to see ganon yeah which man that's satisfying because to that point he never had a human form before there was never a duder it was always just a big pig monster uh, of one kind <laughs> yeah. or another and getting to see him just transformed in this absolute like oh what is this oh okay this is why he's he's pig monster and Zelda's useful, uh, in my opinion, because she, you know, she shoots him with a thing. And it's like, no, nope, we got to get rid of him. We got to get him out of here. Yeah. Like she's useful in like in getting you out of the castle as well. I will say, because um, you're following her on the way out. Um, and it was. It's nice in the end to see that like she is kind of utilized, and you get yeah. a bit out of her. Yeah. yeah. And it's um, even though that that part was kind of a pain in the butt though, because we kept on like going way past her. We're just waiting for her to catch up. Like, yeah, and she'll come on, Zelda. We gotta go. It. Yeah, she's like, no, don't do that. Like, oh, shit. Hustle. Right. <laughs> yeah, listen, she is she is in heels for the first time in seven years. <laughs> yep, that that girl's got like she's got to go through a lot. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I that final fight is so good because it's so intimidating when you lose the sword and you have to sort of get through it, and it's so satisfying. I remember, and God, I I want I, I have no idea like because I don't know how many people have ever gone through this, and I wish I had someone else ask about it. But I remember getting to the end of the game and Zelda being like, go and final blow. And I'm like, what does that mean? My, my sword's <laughs> like, I don't know. Where am I supposed to hit him? Like, what's supposed to happen here? I'm so confused. You didn't throw me a rocket launcher. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I didn't like I was a kid. I was panicking and just like I just went up to his face and hit and hit the attack. button. I'm like, oh, thank God. That is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, I was like running around trying to hit his tail again and like go like, oh, what is happening? Uh, and that finale for what it is, works really well, too. Yeah. But I, I, I really like that they pull out all the stops uh, for the last tail end of the game and just decide we're going to do it all. We're gonna do the, the 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 thing crumbling around, and the, we got we're gonna do the timed escape. We're gonna do the second big fight with the thing. We're gonna do like he's not really dead stuff. We're gonna do like all everything, all the like fake outs or like double things for en for video game endings. We're gonna do it all uh, for this one section. And like man, guys, thank you for that. It works so well. Ten Let's out of ten, all out. Yep. Huh. Like, it just hits, man, and it hits good. Like, there's so much about that final stretch. We're going to give you the highlights of, of all the other temples, and, like, it's just, we're going to, big, giant, like, so much about that finale. It's just, like, every game tries to be this finale, in my opinion. Every game tries to be this thing of, like, where we pull out all the stops. Nothing's too good for us, and... I just don't think it's done as good. Like even with all of our problems with this game, all the things that we got a problem with it. Like I'm sad that like I'm the only one um, with the like oh, but I have memories thing. Uh <laughs> so that's part of why we're doing this, you know, so that we can all experience it. Yep. Yeah. For those of us who didn't play video games as a kid too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and also even if it's secondhand, it's still a very uh, amazing experience. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm I'm really glad that I decided to play it. Like this was yes. worth it. Same. And again, my my only regret is that I didn't go with my thought of mm, should I try it? <laughs> should I try it on something else? <laughs> yeah. Like this yeah. this was so fascinating hearing about the issues of this and how they didn't age and like, you know, all these things that just kind of sort of don't work. Um, yeah. And yeah, the obscurity, like you do need a guide for this. Like this isn't something that's, it's intuitive. It's not. Uh, there's so much about this with growing pains and like getting to third dimension. And like, yeah, that would have kind that would have also been there with a remaster for sure. But even so, I don't know, like we'll, we'll do in a case by case basis, but yeah. I, I feel like this was such a valuable conversation. It was so, it was yeah. fascinating to have. Yeah. Cause again, it's, it's, I think the thing that, the biggest thing to take away from my experience with it is, despite all, despite warts and all, I do still want to play this game. Yeah. All it's done is make me realize, now nah, I just want to play it in a different form, but I enjoyed my experience enough that I am going to play it again. And I am going to beat it in some form. Yeah. Just not the form that we originally intended. <laughs> there you go. Think, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And I think that that says a lot about the quality of the baseline of the game. Yeah. It's a bedrock for a lot of games coming in the future, and I think that's mm -hmm. for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, same. It makes me want to, okay, I'm going to go play a bunch of Zelda games now. I like <laughs> Zelda. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I think it's definitely worth trying out and like checking out maybe some of the 2D stuff or, 3, or, or DS stuff as it came out. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's what would be a really good follow-up, I think, after this is going and hitting the, what is that, uh, Windfish Gosh, Link's Awakening. Jesus. Um, windfish. Windfish. <laughs> well, there is a windfish in there. Uh, okay, okay. Because yeah. that Link to the Past, Windfish, seems yeah, like but, two very different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, now, uh, Link's now I have to play it. Yeah. yeah, Link's Awakening would be a great like thing after this because it's like, it's so, like, it's a 2D version of it, theoretically, or like a, you know, because it's top down, but it's, I think that'd be a, like a really cool follow up. Like, not that we're gonna do this, guys. Like, this is not the episode that's following up with us. I'm just saying that's a cool idea. If people are into Zelda and are playing along with us for whatever reason, and you all had this experience, hey, follow it up with some Link's Awakening on the Switch. I think it's a really good port, and like that's a that's a fun time for a different style Zelda, um, but still very much having all the benchmarks and hallmarks uh, of the franchise. But man, uh, like, any closing thoughts we want to have on this? Because like, man, I I feel like. I'm very jonesed after this. Like, I think we did have to get all the bad stuff out of the way in the beginning because there was a, a, a little bit to really sift through. But once we got into what we loved about it, it was emphatic. It was passionate. There was a lot to love here. And again, I think the things that we didn't love aren't inherently bad. You know, yeah. it is just it's just the age, you know, yeah, it comes naturally with being a game that kind of was the baseline that inspired so much. Yep. It was just those like growing pains there. Exactly. But at the heart of it, yeah, it lived up to the hype. Yeah. Like I, I understand why this is a game, especially from people that played it as a kid, that they love to death and to this day love to death. Yeah. Like, I feel like I do understand my friends that love Ocarina of Time so much more now. So I think we can sit here and we can say, like, like that was really what I was looking for. Like, does this live up to all that hype? And even with, even with the flaws that we've talked about in the beginning of this, we can all still say, yes, this yeah. 
absolutely deserves to be called one of the greatest games of all time. Um, maybe it doesn't quite hit greatest of all time anymore because of that age, but that's not its fault. And exactly. maybe it still does, does deserve that moniker in its own way. Yeah. Like, I, I still think that it should be, I think it's one of those games that should be played by every gamer that likes things even somewhere in this vein. If you like things that have been inspired by this, which is a whole lot of stuff out there. Yep. I, I think it's worth at least sitting down and playing it because I can at least say from my experience, you don't have to sit through the whole thing to enjoy it and appreciate what it did for gaming. Yep. Uh, Flan, you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with? I agree. It's one of those like seminal works. Like yep. you read all the classics of literature. You got to play this classic game. Yeah, for sure. It, warts and all guys. Um, as we, as we said before, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you all very much for coming to the pixel pitch podcast where we like, you know, try our best to pitch these games of our past to play in our present or our future or whatever. That's not a tagline. I'm just saying it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for coming along on our journey and uh, for listening yeah. to us rant and rave about this game that we have so many mixed but yet very passionate feelings about. Um, oh, God, this was such a pleasure. And I, I thank you all, both of you so much for indulging me in this game that I have such a love and affection for. It has meant the world that you both gave it the, uh, the, the college try that you did. Yeah. <laughs> And thank, thank you, you for really for for pushing through your own like doubts and worries and wanting to follow through with the pitch on yep. it. Yep. Oh yeah. And thank you for just sharing all of this like yeah. nostalgia that you have about it. These very tender yeah. feelings. I truly do think that one of the highlights of my experience as a gamer always seems to come back to Legend of Zelda fans that are so passionate. Yeah. about whichever Zelda game, usually this one. So it was nice, again, getting to understand not only them, but like you personally better from this. I mean, if, if you want to talk about tender moments, uh, I, I, I will bring this up. As I was replaying through this uh, to get very personal audience for a hot minute, um, maybe this won't make it in the podcast, we'll see. Um, there, I was going through my father's funeral who had, had a very emotional attachment with for this franchise uh, growing up. And also, like as I said before, way back in the beginning of this, ocarina of time was the the maturing of me uh going from kid to adulthood uh like it you know around i guess like you know when i was young and my father was around like I, he was sort of passed o passed his torch on to me for lack of better term i was going through his funeral at the time and playing through this game um while that was all going on and uh my father we had cremated him and all of the siblings got to have uh small urns to sort of hang to just keep and take with us and my father got to hang out with me you know in uh, my gaming area um up on the shelf and just was like you know hanging around me while i got to play through all this experience all these things that i had grown up with him um being around for and it was a very emotionally cathartic experience as this thing that i remember very fondly of with my father um getting to have and re-experiencing all of that after his passing, but still having some of him around to share that with. That's, I mean, that's beautiful, incredible. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. It was. It was really nice. It was a very like. Uh, again, it was a very nice experience to have to go through. Um, and thank yeah. you, audience, for indulging me for a hot minute in in, <laughs> in my emotional pathos, as it were. 
<laughs> Listen, games are cathartic, and yeah, yeah. especially when so- it comes to nostalgia, like that's what it's about. Yeah, there's know? so much about this that um, going through these times, it's hard not to bring personal experiences into all of this. And we did the past two episodes are filled with like our past experiences, maybe not in the same way or as emotionally heavy, but they're seminal for some of us. These are like, there's a reason why we're recommending them. It's because we have feelings and emotions tied to them. Um, These are like the, we said this earlier, like these pieces of literature, some of them were seminal uh, to, to that development and they carry as much weight or development to us as people. Like we wouldn't be the same person without these things or these memories that we have attached to them. And it's, it's weird. Even secondhand nostalgia has such an effect and it still carries a lot of emotion with it. It's, it's fascinating to really think about. And one of the things I really like about this uh, project that we're undergoing is we get to experience a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that secondhand feeling and then developing your own, you know, you're imprinting this part of your life and associating it with the experience of playing that game. Yeah. And I, I think we will definitely go into this a little bit more in some games that we haven't played. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about secondhand nostalgia. I really want to get into that, but uh, this episode's running really long as is. And, um, <laughs> not that I don't want to but for two. Yep. Yeah. But I do want to, I did want to say like, you know, Hey, this is a, there's a lot to unpack there. And I want to save that for a game that we haven't all played before that we want to pitch to the, uh, to the crowd and we will get there eventually. And, we don't know what our next year is going to be because we have to go confront the non-pro computer and they'll let us yeah. know in our next episode what we're deciding for our next <laughs> year in gaming to hit. But once again, I want to thank you, Kit and Falana, for joining me on the Pixel Pitch Podcast. I'm going to thank you, audience, once again, for taking this long journey with us. Uh, and we will catch you next time. Yeah. Thanks again, Al. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank and you so much, folks. Good yeah. night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.